Warning. This show is intended for a mature audience only and may contain harsh language, trans fats, live nudes, and derogatory comments about your mother. Those who are easily offended or have no sense of humor are encouraged to turn off the show now. Parental discretion is advised. My enemies are many. My equals are none. They fear me like a force of nature, a dealer in thunder and death. I say, I am Emperor. the shores of Lake Erie to the banks of the mighty Cuyahoga River, live from Cleveland, Ohio, USA tonight. This is the Emperor's Court here on Verse World Productions, VTWProductions.com. I am your host, the Emperor, joined in studio, not by Highlander, not by Varyard. Nope, I made a call to the bullpen and brought in a a first-timer. I am joined in studio by none other than Legal Tender. Legal Tender, how the hell are you? Just fine. How about yourself? I am fantastic. You could not sound more excited to be here if you tried. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think? The big setup here, the microphones, everything. You you were commenting on the nice 30-inch monitor. What would you think? It looks like a TV, as I said. I mean, it looks like it could easily double as that. But, I mean, yeah, it's a nice monitor. I run my computer at home off of, like, a Samsung TV, which, you know, when you go that route, doesn't right. get the resolution of an actual monitor. But... But yeah, this is nice. And I have done that with my 50-inch before where I've used it as a monitor before. But like you said, it's the problem is the the resolution isn't quite there. With this thing, you can crank it at like 2560. Uh, but the I believe the Samsung 50-inch I got now is like, oh, I don't know, maybe like 1080. I mean, something like that. It's, it's not outrageous. It's not fantastic. Uh, three O's together is amazing on the court. I know that, but unfortunately, Varyar had to work. Uh, I had already intended on bringing a legal tender in. I've been trying to bug him to come in here for a while now. To do a show, and it's actually nice that I kind of actually forced him into it, kind of browbeat him. So I'm hoping he actually likes it and actually wants to come back and do another one. Then again, I'm hoping he doesn't suck either, because if he's terrible, then no one's going to like him. He's like, no, we don't want this guy. So, anyways. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Oh, really? (laughs) Why, you've been here like all of 20 minutes and you don't like it at all, huh? (laughs) No, I'm just, you know, hey, if they don't want me here, that's fine. I can stay home and play video games. Apparently, they're already very familiar with you because, as you said coming in here, they called you a uh, Halo playing fag. Yes, that was. Apparently, uh... they know you very well. (laughs) Excuse me while I adjust my microphone just a little bit. What can you expect from the anonymity of the internet there? Well, you're also talking to primarily PC gamers, not necessarily. Oh, I think everybody here plays console. But yes, the uh, ever-waging battle of PC gaming versus console gaming continues now, especially with you here. 
So I got to I'll give you a compliment so legal tender. I asked you to be here at 5:30 and you were actually here at roughly 5:30. Yes. I was I, impressed because if that was Highlander he'd show up at 5 to 6. Oh, I'm here on I'm here. The show hasn't started yet. <laughs> it was like no mic time, no no prep time, no nothing. Yeah, I would have been here at pretty much exactly 5.30, but along the highway there was like three cops taking radar, and, you know, I did the whole <laughs> slow down by each one, and I'm, I mean, I was be driving like, it, yeah. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I don't drive ridiculously fast, but I mean, I was doing, you know, 70, which is that borderline, you know, if they pulled me over, Not I wouldn't quite really, yeah. yeah, I couldn't really, like, it was... They could have legitimately ticketed me, like all three of them, but none of them did. So I was like, whew. My guess is had this been at, like, at nighttime, dark, they probably would have nailed you or probably pulled you over, only for the suspicion that you were probably drunk. For those who aren't familiar with, uh, those of you not in the United States, this week is uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we have Monday off, so it's kind of a big day. I think they said 35 million Americans will be traveling this weekend, either by plane, by boat, by train, whatever. So most of them by car, so I'm sure they'll be pulling people over. Highlander actually is out today because he had to work. He got called into work late. There wasn't a whole lot he could do about it. But we do have the stupid video game of the week. We do have Forbidden Knowledge. I will force him to read one of them. And of course, we have the uh, gamut range of topics. So what you, I got to ask, uh, of course, we're only into this. I'll probably ask again at the end of the night, uh, Legal Tenor, but what do you think coming into this? Just, were there any, uh, some, you know, any thoughts ahead of time or preconceived notions? Because you hear me talk about it all the time. As far as what, just the general the show, setup, yeah, yeah. or yeah, doing any of this? I mean, it's roughly what I expected, but I don't know. Except for maybe this mic stand, which is kind of what? giving me crap. But it's not bad. I mean, I mean you're sitting in front it's... of it talking. Yeah, I mean, what more do you want? Because you can adjust it. You just haven't. I think I think I made there. the adjustments needed. We could probably lower the boom mic here because that would probably be easier on you. Actually, let me adjust it. I'm not gonna hit you there. I try. See, now it's in line with your mouth. Okay. Now we lock it in place. Can't believe I had to do this for you when you could have done it yourself. It's not hard. There you go. Now see. Eh. <laughs> I mean, eh. you can see more of the friggin' monitor. You can talk better. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> and? Right. Calgary, I hit him already. See? <laughs> Legal tenders quickening. Yeah, I don't know if he can handle the quickening. I, I can't myself, so that'd be kind of funny. We'll see how much rage is built in by the end of the night. See, the mic stand hates him. Wow, harsh crowd. They do not like you. <laughs> you just got here. Of course, you're way behind an episode, so you probably missed all the stuff I say about you on the show. Yeah, I started listening when you started this or whatever, or, you know, the comeback or whatever, since we started working right. together and... Whatever, and listened to roughly 20 or so episodes and then just sort of fell behind when my iPod died and haven't... I mean, I still have them all downloaded, but... Well, at least you're giving us the numbers by downloading them, even if you're not listening to it. It's them. a huge hurdle to, you know, look and be like, oh, should I get caught up on Emperor's Podcast? Oh, there's only, what, 90-odd <laughs> hours to catch up on? It's yeah. like, yeah, that's kind of an undertaking, so... Haven't really done it. Emperor GoX and Baron Von Ghost, who have all tried the quickening, and none have succeeded. Well, that's true. I don't think anyone has quite the spit, the the vile, the vitriol that Highlander has. Not to mention nobody can quite get the racism jokes as well as he can. Not to <laughs> mention, I don't think either one of us should be saying any of those, <laughs> considering. No. One other thing that's kind of going on this weekend with me, this past week, uh, last week and I had mentioned... Kind of in passing, but I've been talking about it because uh, Goomba Boy, who's an IRC tonight, 
is really to blame for all of this. So you guys can give him shit or, you know, give him, you know, props the way you want to look at it. But uh, they kind of brought me back to World of Warcraft. And I made mention, I talked about this during the week at lunch, uh, Legal Tender, about uh, bringing back a, a guild on one of the servers in World of Warcraft. So for those who haven't been following or, or aren't aware, um, later that night, later Saturday night, probably about 11 o'clock, the next thing I know after talking about it in uh, Ventrilo for a little while, 15 people hop on. We find one server. It was Coilfang on the U.S. side. Uh, we joined it, formed a guild. Basically, we brought back the uh, Clan Appeal Guard name. Formed a guild, and off and running we are. So as of today, we're 35 members strong. People have been uh, kind of trickling over the week, and everybody's leveling very quickly. With the entire point, uh, the intent of this being PvP-based, basically taking the fight to other people. Now, Legal Tender, you've never actually played World of Warcraft, have you? No, not big on PC games. Just the whole mouse and keyboard is not something I really enjoy using versus a controller. Most console gamers don't have the, the micro. Yeah, They're yeah, not quite yeah, as fast yeah. to, to use a mouse and keyboard. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. It just um, In general, console also. <laughs> yeah. In general, I just don't see the appeal of the role-playing MMO stuff. I'm more, you know... But you've never actually played with... it. How would you know? I've... I, we've had this conversation before, too. That's right, but we're I've having played, it on the air now for everybody else to hear. I've played similar stuff like and what? not like it. You I've tried Final Fantasy games and, you know, other role-playing RPG stuff like that. But that's I mean, an MMORPG. The closest I get to an RPG is Fallout 3, and I, you know, like pretty much every aspect of that game except right. for the RPG-ishy elements are like the components of the game where I find myself having the least fun while I'm, you know, monitoring my inventory and all that other crap and picking perks and leveling up. It's like I just want to, you know, do the So actual... all that kind of nonsense, is that all that extra stuff in inventory, your, your bag and having to carry weapons. Unlike Halo where you've got an inventory and a bunch of weapons. Inventory? And kind of you have well, I mean, two. You you can call. There's not two. a bunch. Of, there's not more than two weapons in that game. Yeah. But okay. You can't cycle to your grenades. grenades. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so obviously there's more than just like two. Okay. Inventory is fine. Thank you. You've never two types a... of grenades and two weapons. Hit Y to switch between one versus the other. It's not like you know you're gonna hit F8 to pull up the menu and <laughs> pick this spell and all oh, this. Oh, well, it's not quite like that. Martin no. or uh, Little Rex says the hell. Final Fantasy is not even close. Stop your bitching. Wow. <laughs> Manly stuff says he's going to take so much crap tonight. <laughs> he's never going to want to come back. That's fine. But I you've can... never actually tried it. You know what? What would kill you to try like a, a two-week, like the free 14 or 10-day version they got just to see two if it's weeks? something else? Uh, 10 days. We don't have to play it for 10 days. Jesus Christ, you put how many hours into Halo a week? A month. I don't know. Weeks on end. A lot. Yeah, but... That's different. That's <laughs> oh, fun. That's different. That's fun. <laughs> Wait, what is Fallout 3 without RPG? Halo with bad lag. There you go. How are you going to... Uh, let's hear some defense of that. What do you mean bad lag? It has no online component. It's an offline game. You're still getting... Well, it's called slowdown when it's not online. It's the same thing. I mean, if... But there's no interactivity with anybody else unless you're, you know... On in like a party chat on Xbox Live with somebody. You've you never played I mean? a You're game not... before that didn't have slowdown, where the entire game has so much going on, you slow down, can't move, can't quite do things as quickly, even on single player. Not really. I mean, short of like 
Halo 1 days on the original Xbox of playing, like, pure rocket race or rocket matches where mm-hmm. everybody has a rocket launcher and, you know, you have 16 people all firing two shots in the air. Yeah, then it would, like, kind of slow down, but okay. other than that, no, not really. Greenbox is tons of crybabies already in World of Warcraft. Why do we want another one? Meraki, the Emperor's Court. Today's case, legal tender versus computer gaming. <laughs> Kelcor, play, play a hunter and face roll everything. Thanks, fuck you. I'm playing a hunter. Because it is that easy. I don't have to worry about anything. I get a pet, it does most of the work for me. I just sit back and just let it go. And they've got a mage, I just haven't brought it over. But if going back to it, uh, we've actually had tremendous success so far. I'm a little surprised. Uh, one, because we've got so many people playing all at one time. It was in a matter of days. We were, uh, the next thing you know, we've got... You know, money in the bank, the guild bank, got tons of items, the auction's going up, you know, people are starting off at death night so they can, you know, grind gold really quick. It was just amazing how fast everything came to play, you know, came together. But I'm interested to see where it's going to go from here. And one of the things I had said was, let's give it a month, let's play to like level 60, level 70. Now, stupid me, not realizing, since I haven't played the game in, since 2006, five years, a little more than five years. They have streamlined the leveling services so you can level up much quicker than you originally had. So I, I knew, at least in theory, you could go pretty quick. I didn't know it can go this quick. Does that bother you that well, no, actually, else is It doesn't bother me because are. a lot of stuff is rehashed. Now, granted, the game is new in a lot of ways because the landscape, you know, the storyline, all that has changed. I don't give two shits for the storyline. I don't care. You know, they right. ruined it as far as I did. I cared about this, the Warcraft storyline in Warcraft 2. That's how long ago that was. And that was kind of neat when I was a kid. Now, <laughs> I don't care. Tell me how many of something I have to kill. Tell me how many of something I have to collect. Turn it in, get my points, and go look for something to whack. And unfortunately, it happened to me today. I died for the first time uh, this, this afternoon. I was playing for about an hour or so. It's a Stranglethorn Vale. I'm running around. And it's a jungle. I'll show you uh, after the show because I, I intended to show you what the game looks like. So running around in this jungle, and the next thing you know, I'm getting shot from behind, I turn around, and there's an alliance guy. He's, there's three of them. There's a hunter, there's a druid, and I wasn't sure what the third one was because I died too quickly. You didn't have your people with you? To... No, it was just me. I was out solo questing. I ah. mean, by and large, we don't really get together to do something like that unless we have a plan or so one of us is getting harassed. You know, if they were camping me, there were guys online that would have, you know, hopped in there. We could have cleared them out. But at the lower levels, it's kind of hard to find a lot of the alliance. Most of them are in the later stages of the game. Because when you max out your levels, when the so game wait, really you were, begins. So wait, you were just sort of walking along, minding yes. your own business, yes. and you got killed? Right. I thought that that kind of thing doesn't happen. I thought you have to, like, agree no, to battle or whatever. Not on this server. Anything goes anywhere in the contested lands. Oh, Jesus. No, we camp guys. We see one guy out there with six. We'll gangbang him and send him his corpse, wait for the resurrect, and kill him again. We'll keep doing it until either A, he logs off in frustration, or B, puts the word out till a lot more high-level lines come in to clear us out. That's how things go. No, this is very cutthroat. It's not quite as bad as Ultima Online, but it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, it, it, the standing order of, of this guild, this clan, is if it's red, it's dead. If you see it out there, it's an enemy faction, you go ahead and kill it. If it's some guy in our faction who's having a rough time, maybe he's fighting a bunch of monsters, you don't have to help him. In fact, I encourage you not helping him, because chances are he's an asshole. And we don't really want to help an asshole, so let him die. And so then the, take, his, take the monster he was fighting. So the fact that you died, does that mean you've now been reset to level one and nope. have to do it all? No, somewhere? I just resurrect and have to run back to my corpse. So you keep your level. Yes, but all my gear is damaged, and I have to go repair it at some point. If you die enough, and your gear breaks, and no longer works. You have to go and repair it. So that's it. the only real consequence to being killed? 
Uh, yeah. I mean, by and large. I always, now, I always thought it was like your character is now dead and gone, and you have no. to restart. Did, if that they, was the did case, they used to do that, or there were games like that, like in Ultimate Online, for instance. If you died, if you weren't resurrected uh, by a healer or another player, if you resurrected yourself, because you can resurrect right in the spot, you lost a third of all your skill points, which takes a long time to build. There was a serious penalty. Not to mention your corpse on the ground is now able to be looted. You can take everything that was on him. Everything that you own is now gone, and anybody can take it. Well, obviously, a lot of people complain because in Ultima Online, if you lost your gear, a lot of people were dumb enough to take the keys to their houses with them. So then you'd break in their house and take everything they had saved, everything they had, nice. or their castle, and then you'd keep the house. Nice. Family stuff, quotes, everyone else is an asshole, Emp. Exactly. <laughs> See? <laughs> but absolutely. So it, there's fighting anywhere and everywhere. Oh, the best thing to do is wait for them to fight another monster, wait for them to start getting behind or to take too much damage. Then you kind of jump them and finish them off. Nothing pisses them off more. Because one, <laughs> I tell you, the, big, the most that you lose, the biggest thing is your time. One, it's an aggravation. Two, it's a hassle. And you've got to run back. Supposing, depending on where you are on the map, you may have to run five, ten minutes to get your corpse if you're really far away. Then you right. resurrect and you've got to heal because you know, half your heal is gone. All of your, what we call buffs, any kind of... Uh, uh, an enchantment or a spell or an ability that gives you some kind of, you know, more hit points, you shooting faster, that kind of thing. All that gets wiped away. you got to start all over again. And a lot of those you've got to pay for, and, and that costs money. So there is an inconvenience factor for being killed. It's not the same as it was, but the reason why is over the years people kind of got pissed, like I said, with the, the breaking of the houses and what have you. So right. the idea behind it being that we're going to make it less convenient if you die, as my... Screensaver kicks in. Can't you just shut that off during the show? You know, I probably could, although I've never really kind of figured it out because I'm not really sure how it's Windows like 7 does right it. right-click properties. On Windows 7, maybe. What I don't do you, know if it does for this. What do you mean? What? Hang on. Let me try it. It's just you don't know how to shut off a screensaver. No, okay, what is it? Personalized gadgets, resolution. What is what it, the does, hell smartass? Are you running? Windows 7. I just said that, jackass. Personalized. Let's try there. Okay. You never Googled it or something to no, figure out? No, I didn't out? care enough. I, I really don't. Screensaver. None. All right, so whatever it is, that, that turns it black if I don't move for a while. Which is more like the sleep function, probably, I guess, probably something. sleep, I guess. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I, I don't care enough to find out, because I uh, rarely have that issue. One of the things that would bother me enough to look it up and just do that real quick, to put it on there, to make it not go to sleep. Or... I'll probably have to look at it at some point. I, I, I'm not going to look at it right now, though. Yeah. Isn't Does that... the monitor kind of look familiar? What do you mean? Well, look at it. Look at it. Uh... It says Dell at the bottom. Right. What What do you mean by familiar? It's the same kind of monitors we use at work. The exact same kind, except for the size. The size is like the only thing that matters, though, right. in terms of a monitor. Well, yeah. It's like... <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I mean... It just looks kind of familiar. I have, I, you know, It kind of hit me when I first got it. Yes, the 30-inch monitor that you've never heard of. <laughs> Onan says, I wait till my target is at least at 80%, and then I wreck his face. See? There you go. I mean, this isn't hard. Ganking in people is not a hard concept. You just got to wait, you know, till things are, are right. They're, well, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Uh, basis wait for opportunity. Be patient. People are dumb. They're going to make a stupid mistake at some point. They've got to capitalize on it. 
How the heck can you afford it? Oh, here we go with the 30-inch monitor again. Unfortunately, the bit really doesn't work with legal tender here. just doesn't give a shit. They're like, I don't care. I know what they're doing. I don't care. I'm I've not going to fall I've heard for it, it 20 times on those first 20 episodes that I listened to <laughs> without fail. <laughs> no reason to stop now, right? <laughs> so I got a uh, letter in the email actually this afternoon. Uh, surprisingly, this is from PlayStation. Identity theft protection offered for PlayStation Network and Curiosity customers. Sony Computer Entertainment and Sony Network Entertainment have made arrangements with Debix, D-E-B-I-X, to offer all clear ID plus to eligible PlayStation Network and Curiosity account holders in the United States who are concerned about identity theft. In order to be eligible, account holders must be resident in the United States with active accounts as of April 20, 2011. I assume since you I got couldn't. one... You couldn't really get an account after 420. Sure, because it kind of crashed. Right. <laughs> you had to have an account when we <laughs> got all of our accounts hacked. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. nice. If you are interested, please submit your email address by June the 28th, 2011 at 1159.59 Central Standard Time. Please note, you must enter the same email address to use, you're used uh, to register your PlayStation Network and Curiosity account. What I don't see in here, legal tender, is I see nothing about the free games that we're supposed to get. Or yeah, the free which PlayStation is Plus. Interesting. I assumed that that would have been sort of them reaching out to you saying, right. oh, hey, you know, since we screwed you over and potentially, you know, handed your identity <laughs> over to some Somebody nefarious else. being, right. right, or entity, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I definitely heard that. They were giving, you know, it was what, is those four games that you could download? I know yeah, yeah. Infamous and Little Big Planet were well, like the, the only two you would remembers. consider. Right. It was like Pursuit Force and some other game that no one's heard or, you know, heard of or ever played. Let me pull them up here to see. I remember what the kind of games they were. I, I Let's see. In free it was, games. That, that was for. Here it is. Inf- Dead Nation, Infamous, Little Big Planet, Super Stardust, High Definition, and Wipeout, plus Fury. Okay. That's oh, Pers- Pursuit Force is one of the PSN games. If you had your or PSP, if you had your PSP hacked, I guess. Right. Or what? Well, I mean, there are people that that will play that you know connect their PSP well, to right. the account. So, I, yeah. I've never been able to figure it out myself. I tried, really? but I, I couldn't figure it out because I wanted to play uh, Final Fantasy Tactics online, but could never figure it out. Now I play with Baron and Wi-Fi when we were in the same room, but that's pretty much it. Right. I don't know. I. I never actually signed up for the PlayStation Network. I mean, I've had a PS3 almost since launch. Well, I mean, obviously PlayStation Network is around in the days of PS2, but let's be honest, on PS2, what, you know, were you going to play those terrible reviewed, like, Resident Evil games online? I mean, there was was no reason. Yeah, yeah, they didn't support it a whole lot. There was a whole lot to do. Right, there was nothing. I mean, they even, eventually, the later models of the PS2 didn't even have... Didn't support it. Right, it was like, there's no Ethernet, there's no... The primary reason they had was for Final Fantasy XI. That's the primary reason that they gave uh, an online ability to the PlayStation 2. That's the only reason. Which seems odd, because at the same time, you know, within that same generation, you had Microsoft doing, you know, Halo 2 on the Xbox, Xbox yeah. and a bunch of other shooters, which, I mean, yeah, obviously in the days of the original Xbox, you know, Halo 2 and was about the only thing really being played online. I mean, there was one or two other games here and there, but it was pretty much just for Halo 2, but I mean, that was just 
you know, obviously a large success. You would think Sony would have tried to, you know, up their online infrastructure at some, some point, point to just support it. Right, right. in between right, right. PS2 and PS3, but no, sadly, they never really it's did. It's kind of funny. It's, it seems like it's always one game that kind of, you know, carries a load or, or launches a trend or a change in the way gaming is done. Quake 1 pretty much really you know, kicked the internet in the ass as far as online gaming goes because you had so many people playing Quake 1, two, 300,000 people at a time, you know, back in 96, 97. That really, you know, showed people that online gaming is a viable option. You have Halo 2, uh, more so than anything else, really showing that first-person shooters online are very viable. And right. showing that console online is very viable. You know, for Sony, that was just the uh, Final Fantasy XI. Like it or hate it, and I was not a fan of the game, you can't, you know, go against the success it did have. So I thought it was only really successful in Japan, though. It was successful here in the United States. It had quite a few. In fact, Dunleft, if you could do me a favor, and so you can find some population numbers and post them for me for Final Fantasy XI. Oh, it's huge in Japan, but it was very big here. What turned off a lot of people is that the game itself was kind of geared towards uh, the Asia way that they, the Asian and Oriental way that they do RPGs, which is grind, grind, grind. Right. You don't see a whole lot of, you know, advancement in that game until you really put a lot of time and effort into doing basically the same thing over and over again. Yeah, so. I think I remember towards, like, I'm pretty sure the PS2, Xbox generation was more or less dead, and we were, like, well into PS3 and 360 when that article came out about some guy who, like, mastered every character or yes. something in Final Leveled Fantasy XI, yes. which is just... Insane? Yeah, absolutely insane. I mean, that'd be like getting all the achievements for Dynasty Warriors Six on 360. It's like, you're not doing that. You're not you taking don't have the time every character to level 50. It's like, once you've done it once, you know, what are you really seeing the second time around? Do you think you're some kind of, like, really badass that you're the only person with level 50 characters, like, all of them? It's kind of like people that have, like, seven level 85s in Warcraft. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Where do you find the time? Or, like, the Call of Duty model of going prestige, which is supposed to be yeah. some you making you a badass. You to me now, because I, you okay. explain this. I'm still trying to wrap my head about why. I mean... Basically, what it is is okay. Okay, you know, it's not the same kind of grind, Goomba. That's it's not nearly the same. <laughs> you see progress in World of Warcraft. I dare you to play Final Fantasy XI when it first came out and see what kind of progress you could get. I tried. I quit after the first free month they gave me because I didn't want to play it. Go ahead. But no, yeah, prestiging in Call of Duty, which I mean they've they had it in Modern Warfare Two and Black Ops for sure. I don't know if they had it in. The first one, which was Call of Duty for Modern Warfare, I don't I'm believe so. Guessing, I don't know if they did. I uh, never. They have I still, actually, but I, I actually didn't the same play that one explain. online. I didn't really play Call of Duty online until Modern Warfare Two. Okay, when, you know, some of my friends were getting into Little it. Little they did not. Okay, okay, that's what I thought. But yeah, prestiging basically though is because I mean. You know, in Halo, you have basically the weapons are on the map. Like, everybody, every character, when they spawn, when the round begins, has the exact same weapons, and it's up to you to, you know, go, you know, get the sniper rifle. Pick up the weapon, and that's what you're using. Whatever you pick up is what you use. Exactly. They're on the map. They're sitting there. Anybody can pick them up. But, I mean, in Call of Duty, it's not the same at all. You know what I mean? If you're a level 50 character and you're playing against a bunch of level 1s, you know, you're going to have weapons available to you that they simply do not a bigger advantage. now ex- oh yeah huge advantage like yeah, yeah just very significant advantages Halo's can be gay. had by the players who have been playing forever so prestiging basically is once you reach 
it's uh I think it was level seventy in Modern Warfare two, but in Black Ops it's level fifty. Once you reach level fifty, you can prestige, which all that does is oh hey, remember how the game kind of sucked when you first started because you had the crappy guns and like no good equipment, the pistol, no gear, the knife, like, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. How about you? start back with those all over again and do the whole thing over again, like level up from scratch. For what benefit? Absolutely nothing. There you go. No, okay. Ah. I I guess people can argue, oh, but, you know, when you're in the pregame lobby and you're looking at other people's crap, you can see, like, oh, this guy prestiged ten times, and apparently you're supposed to, you know, think that he's some sort of badass or respect that to some degree when it's like, I just, you know, I hit level 50 uh, not that long ago. I didn't start playing black ops till recently, but I mean, you know, I'm level 50 now and I'm like, yeah. I'm like asking my friends these questions like, wait, so when I prestige, do I lose this? They're like, yep. Um, I'm like, do I lose the, the like credits that you earn to like buy stuff? I'm like, they're like, yep. I'm like, what, what do what you keep? The point? Exactly. I'm, I'm like, so what do you keep? I'm like, and they're like nothing. And I'm like, so let me get this straight. I've been playing this game for a month or two. I've got, you know, a good gun with like, you know, the red dot and the silencer and, you know, my attachments, all my stuff all squared away the way I like it. And I'm just supposed to give that all up and do it all over again. And I'm like, what? What it, a waste of time. Yeah, it's just not it's it's like beating Dynasty Warriors six, you know, leveling a character up to 50. 27 times it's like what's the point what do you no what, one is going to think better of you so okay right. so all, the only thing There's it shows different. is you've got plenty of time in your hands enough time that you can proceed over and over and over again and what this kill- is not a thing of skill because anybody can do oh, it exactly. given enough time exactly yeah. yeah that's yeah that's the thing with ever since the days of like halo 2 in halo 2 leveling up was actually pretty difficult you know what i mean but like in starting with halo 3 and all that stuff it just leveling up in console online shooters is just really about putting in the time. Like you could be the crappiest Halo player, but you know, if you just log in every day and get your ass handed to you for four years, you know, whatever, earning your, you know, pittance of XP because you get like two kills and 27 deaths, you will eventually reach, you know, ranks of like general and whatnot. And it's like, you know, just, it has no name. Yeah, exactly. It has no meaning anymore. It's, it's like when they started doing double experience in Halo 3, it's like, okay, well, now people, when I see that they played X amount of games and have X amount of experience, it doesn't really mean what it used to mean because as soon as you opened that window of, hey, you know, starting this weekend, we're going to give you two points for wins in this play type. It's like, you know, eventually you got to the point where every now and then you'd run into guys who were like, you know, general at level 50, so it's like, okay, whatever. But yeah, then it's like, games played, 6,000. Experience, 8,000. And it's like, dude, which that means as soon as they started coming out with double experience, you played that enough to overcome, uh, you know, the losses you already had going in, and then that 2,000 more wins, like, within that to go over 100%. And it's like, okay, this means nothing to anyone anymore. It's not... And this just kind of goes hand in hand with what I've said about achievements in general, and this to uh, specific is that, I mean, really, what you get right down to, it doesn't matter. It's just a name. You don't get anything for it. Uh, look, nobody cares about your online prestige. Nobody cares about how many points you've got. Nobody cares because it doesn't change the in-game you know, abilities other than the fact that you start from scratch and you have nothing but a shotgun and a pistol again. And what kills me about the prestiging in Call of Duty is everybody does it. Like, So how do you... They seem right. all about it. Like, 
What the hell was that? Oh, that's, uh, don't worry, that's Finn Trillo. <laughs> that's Mechalot coming in to uh, sit in on the show. He gets no. like a badass entrance theme? Well, actually, no, everybody does that. That is, it, the way I have Ventrillo set up is sometimes when somebody comes in, it'll give you like a name, like, you know, so-and-so is Enter Ventrillo. Otherwise, I have it just set up like this does now, where it just plays like a little ringtone that just says that somebody's entered into uh, Ventrillo. That's uh, and then sometimes his microphone's so bad that he blows your eardrums out like <laughs> nice. he just did. But yeah, like once I hit level 50, like, you know, I had kids online that I was playing with who have, you know, been playing Call of Duty with for a while that have, you know, prestiged four or five, six, whatever times. Yep. And they're like, oh, you hit level 50, you're going to prestige now? And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and there was almost like a level of peer pressure to it. They're like, ah, oh, come on, do it, pussy. And I'm like, what the? Like, I don't give a crap. Like, no, I, I like my guns. I'm not starting over from the beginning. Like, that'd be like you just up in World of Warcraft. Just, oh, I think I'm just going to start from level one again. It's like, I'm sorry I don't see the appeal to that. I forgot to give out the information for IRC. We should probably do that at some point. Uh, we'll do it right after this, but I'm curious. Marake says, can we get back to bashing legal tenure? We only have two and a half hours left. <laughs> Martins, I agree with Marake. Less news, more bashing. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Halo is gay, therefore the console fag is gay too. Dina, Calgor. Like I said, suppose we had games like Quake. Yeah, and all we'll the get the last fags... laugh when PC market gaming completely dies. <laughs> Blinkus you says, know it's coming. Once we had great games like Quake, then all the console fags bought Halo, and ever since Big FBS has decayed to consoles. Little Rex says, Microsoft needs to uh, look back into letting console guys face PC guys. Marikai, the time we usually put into the quickening that we have, we won't have today should be spent on bashing Mr. Console Fag. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> They've turned on you and the show just started. <laughs> <laughs> Turning on me would imply that they were once on my, my side. side. <laughs> That's true. All right, so they just don't like old folks take, talking about how much better games used to be back when. It's called Perspective. Today's always sucks to anyone who remembers yesterday. If the PC True. market kills... If the console market kills PC gaming, I'll kill myself. That's Can I hold attraction. them to that? <laughs> hey, write that down. Little Rex said this PC market gaming has been dying since the 1990s, according to people. Well, that's true. I, I have seen articles from way back when saying that the release of the Nintendo and, you know, things of that nature would show that getting into video games or played on, on computers, Commodores, because remember, video gaming basically started on computers right. before it got onto consoles. But go play Connect. I'll stay with the PC. There you go. Yeah, I mean, there's no I, reason I we can't play both. Everybody t- giving us shit is, is also plays console games. Let's not be uh, uh, lying here. <laughs> Biggest difference between PC gamers and console gamers is this. PC gamers have badass PCs plus consoles. Console gamers have consoles and shitty PCs and have no other option. Comment, Legal Tender? It's really not True. about the strength of my PC. I could really? go out and drop a few grand tomorrow yeah. on a PC if I felt the need to, but I really don't because the games on PC just aren't what I'm looking to play. I'm not looking to play anything World with of skill. Warcraft I know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Anything with skill. Nothing with Counter Strike. No Team Fortress. No Unreal Tournament. No Quake. But you'll play Halo. And love every minute every of it. Minute. What's your point? <laughs> Well, if he doesn't care, he doesn't care. Yeah, you know. 
We know you want face roll easy. That's true. Do you know what the face roll is? I'm curious. Not being a uh, PC no. gamer. Basically what it is, you could put your face on a keyboard and roll it back and forth and win the game. It's that easy. All right, here's the info on how to get on the show. Here's how you can get in touch with the guys. Send an email to them at emperor1g at cox.net or join us in IRC at irc.quakenet.org in channel VTW. Folks, if you are tuning in for the Sandy, I'm sorry, the Phoenix Comic Con coverage, you're in the wrong goddamn place. This is not the Phoenix Comic Con coverage. Go to vtwproductions.com. On the front page, in the news section, underneath what 24 is spamming on the front page, you will find a link that will take you to listening to the Phoenix Comic Con coverage. No, I don't know what they're covering. No, I don't know what they're talking about. Just thought I'd get that out there. Although I haven't seen anybody in IRC or even come in here that A, I don't recognize, or B, that has asked about Comic-Con, but I thought I would just kind of get that out of the way, that it's uh, 6.40 in the evening, and we should probably tackle that ahead of time. So the Phoenix Comic-Con, yes. is there going to be any big movie reveals or anything like that? I don't that? know if they or really do that at Phoenix, completely like the poor man's Comic-Con? Well, I'm guessing if you can't find your way into San Diego, you go to Phoenix or Seattle or... Because I, I was saying, we were talking off the air before uh, the show started about how many different, you know, people, or how many different Comic-Cons there are. And there's like one in New York, one in Seattle, one in Phoenix, one yeah, in San Diego. I only Diego. knew of the one. Yeah, and that's the one everybody knows. That's the biggest one. So my guess is these are just smaller little, you know, satellite groups. But I, I don't know what they'll announce at Phoenix, if anything. Right. I know they had somebody, I think Barry said they had Leonard Nimoy had uh, something going on, had some kind of uh, panel that he was there. Really? I don't know why. I don't know what Leonard Nimoy was doing at 80-some years old, but uh, apparently he was doing something. Really? Because I heard he, like, quit acting or whatever, which is why... Yeah, he did. Because he's in... I thought. He was in a season, what is it, three of Fringe? I can't remember if it's in two or three. I think it's in three. And he was, you know, in it as one of the characters. Right. And then apparently he just, like, I heard up and one day was like, you know, screw this, I'm out. And they still, like, needed his character in an episode. So as, like, the total cop-out, they, like, had him phone in, like, the voiceover. And they did, <laughs> they did like, this alternate reality thing where it was, like, and that section of the episode was animated. It was That's one of the crappy. weirdest things that I've seen in a while. Well, I guess you've just... got a pigeonhole and you're kind of stuck that you need the actor. But why is it that he just up and walked out? I mean, I don't watch Fringe, so I'm not really... I, I don't know. I, I hadn't I heard why he quit or whatever, but I guess it was just, you know, one day he was like, screw you guys, I'm going home, <laughs> basically. Well, I guess you're Leonard Nemo. What the hell are they going to do? So right. you know you're going to stay? They'll probably just die on him. <laughs> guy's old enough. <laughs> so I'm curious. Uh, no, did you ever get the uh, subscription numbers for Final Fantasy XI? I, I never bothered to look to see. I was specifically, specifically, I wanted to know how many total players they had and if it, see if it broke down by... Uh, people who played on PlayStation or people... I don't care about country. Just in general is fine. If they have a, I thought that was the whole genesis of our... Oh, that's right. The Japan, <laughs> Japan versus America. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Not by country. That's kind of surprising. I would have thought that Squaresoft would have had something out there saying, you know, our market's bigger than Japan and the United States or vice versa or what have you. See if you can find one based on console versus PC. I'm curious to see who plays on what more. Then again, MMO is kind of built for a PC. I'm not really sure there's a whole lot that could be successful, although they've certainly tried on console. I don't know if Final Fantasy XIV was. I think it was. Console as well as... No, no, no. It came out for PC. It was delayed. I'm sorry, delayed. what number did you say? 14. 14? 14. 13 was first player. I didn't know that 14 had come out yet. Oh, it was a bomb. It was horrible. 
Really? They fired all the staff six months after its release. I thought that Everybody. was like I thought that was like an in-house beta thing no. when that no. happened. That got an actual release. Yes, it was that, in yes. Japan only or no worldwide. What you can get it here. What we actually we discuss, we discussed this a few months back. What ended up happening was they released Final Fantasy XIV worldwide, despite the beta testers saying this game is piss poor. You release this and you're going to be embarrassed. So after they got a worldwide subscription total of about six hundred thousand players, and the fact that the game was broken every which way from Sunday. They came out and said, all right, we're delaying inevitably because the console version was supposed to come out this past March. And they said, really? we're going to delay that inevitably because, or, uh, 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 yeah, I'm sorry, they're going to delay that indefinitely because they don't have the time to get it fixed before it was supposed to launch. There's no timetable to bring it back. The second thing they did is they, they didn't get fired. I, well, whatever the case, they committed ritual suicide. <laughs> One giant seppuku, right? Yeah. No, they fired the lead developer. They fired his development team. They fired the guy who wrote the storyline. They fired everybody. And they pulled somebody off the Final Fantasy Thirteen project that was working on the sequel to that and said, fix it. So they told everybody who had bought a copy of the game that until they decide that the game is where it needs to be quality-wise, no one will have to pay for it. You can play free while they're in the process of fixing it. That was months ago. I have no idea where they are at in that, but... In 2008, uh, Squaresoft noted Final Fantasy XI still had a strong user base of around 500,000 subscribers. That's pretty robust, if you consider. Yeah, half a million after, sure. what, three years? That's. Oh, uh, no, no, Final Fantasy XI has been around more than that, hasn't it? I thought it's 11? been around like the mid Well, he just, he just said, by the way, 2000. Well, as of 2008, right, right. But the game has been out prior to that. I know it was. Oh. So. Because um, PlayStation Three was out in eight in two thousand eight, wasn't it? PlayStation Three, Three, yeah. Because that came up for PlayStation Two. I'm thinking it was like a two thousand five, two thousand six game. I that's like the crappiest thing for me to try to do is place when something came happened out, in the yeah. past. <laughs> now, left. When did Final Fantasy Eleven launch? I'm curious. Let's see. That's one of the things too that I kind of hated about the game is when I bought it and played, is that. We were getting lumped in with the Japanese players, which had already been playing for quite some time. One, you couldn't understand what they were saying because <laughs> the bad translation uh, nice. program they had wasn't translating, or they would just speak all in Japanese, in Japanese characters. You know, kanjis. I'm like, okay, what? And I'd type in, like, what in English? And then they'd say something <laughs> back, like, okay, fuck you, and I'd walk on. But everybody had, like, so, know, these so you would high need characters. Like, you would need to, like... Talk to this guy to get something. Sure, and, no idea like, what that, that was saying. Kinda... Not a clue. Nice. Launched 2002 in Japan, 2004 in USA. That's my point. They had a two-year jump on us, and they had high-level characters, and they had money, and they had they controlled the auction house. Epic says bored enough to play with shit if it's free. I'm not. I got enough to do. Incidentally, since we are talking about. Squaresoft's crappy MMO tracker could check this out. That's another article. Uh, they're going to be doing yet another MMO of some kind. They can't fix the one they got, and they're already going to build another one? I guess so. This from uh, P- this is from UK.PCD.IGN. Square Enix chief Yochi Wada says the company has another massively multiplayer online game scheduled to be announced during its fiscal year, which ends March 31st, 2012. According to a new investment transcript translated by some case I I don't care about, Square Enix wants to operate two to three large-scale MMO titles simultaneously 
and hoping of maintaining a stable cash flow. The company currently operates Final Fantasy XI and fourteen, and co-publishes the free-to-play MMO title Wakfu. No word of this MMO project is related to Final Fantasy or what platforms it will launch on. I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that it's probably not going to be a Final Fantasy-based game. Uh, I, I, that's going back to the well too often. Why would you run three simultaneous Final Fantasy MMOs? Right. People, You're competing against yourself. Plus, they still have a bad taste in their mouth from 14, Absolutely. So. Absolutely. How about calling it fuck you? MMO, nay, fuck you. <laughs> Xanath goes on the record saying, prediction, it will suck balls. Well, Probably. I mean, don't get me wrong. Square. I used to love Square Soft. When they merged with Square, or when they merged with Enix and became Square Enix, it's a whole different company now. The yeah. games. As, I don't know that I've really enjoyed a single game that they've released since they've been merged. And it's kind of funny. It came to a realization after I played twenty minutes of Final Fantasy Thirteen and realized I cannot bring myself to play this game. I hate wasting money on a game, but damn it, I could supposedly do it. that game. I just remember everybody was saying, you know, again, I don't play RPGs at all, right. but like, you know, my brother and my brother's friends and everybody, you know, and all the reviews were like, the game gets really good 24 hours in, which I find just a laughable statement. It's like, okay, so I've got to put up with 24 hours of, if not crap, then like mediocrity. For well, this basically game to it's get a giant good. tutorial for 20 some hours. Well, well let Jesus. me ask you this, because you bitch about this the same as Highlander does and I do. Which do you rather prefer? Having a game that has 50, 60, 100 hours of gameplay, actual legitimate, you know, solid gameplay, or burning through a title in a weekend that only takes four or six hours of gameplay? Well, Do you really think you get your money's worth for playing six hours for 60 bucks? I mean, obviously, everybody would like every game to be 60. Well, okay, maybe, again, if the quality level could be maintained throughout, you know, the entire experience. Right, like a Dragon Age or a Final Fantasy, right. Right, then yeah, okay, then yeah, I would I would love an FPS with a 60-hour campaign and whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, it might take me, you know, a year or two to beat it, whatever, but yeah, that would be sweet, but I mean, it's just not going to happen, you know what I mean? Like, you just have to accept that unless it is like an RPG, you know what I mean? Your, your campaign's going to be... What about L.A. Be... Noir? Is that a game you can beat in six hours? Um, I have not started that yet, but I've been hearing everybody basically says 20, which which you know, I think is a good. I mean, that's that's an ex, you know respectable amount of gameplay for our dollar. I think. Yeah, I mean, you figure, <clears throat> you know, as soon as it drops, you know, it's it was for the PS3, it fits on one disc, but you know, for Xbox 360, it's uh, on three DVDs, which okay. you know harkens back to like the PS1 days. You don't really see that too often anymore. I think prior to. L.A. Noir, the last multi-disc game that I had in my collection was, like, Resident Evil 4 for GameCube, maybe. From way back maybe. when, yeah. <laughs> like, it's been a while to, to see the multi-disc titles. Although, actually, Dead Space 2 was two discs earlier this year. Xander brings up an interesting point. He says, kind of sucks for Square. No matter what they do, they get told it sucks compared to what they did in 1997. Okay, kind of like the, you know, the writers and developers of The Simpsons get told, you jumped the shark ten years ago. And you have to keep going. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who grew up playing the original Final Fantasies. You'd be hard-pressed to find one that compares it to the gameplays, the games today and say that they're better. They may look better. They, you know, some of the music may be better because of the quality. 
But I certainly wouldn't say the storyline is, you know, an improvement over those 95, 96, 97 uh, games. I think Final Fantasy X was pretty much the last good one. You know, say what you like. But I, I'm fine. They give me a game that Square Enix has released that has been on par with their previous titles, their, pre- their previous, you know, incarnations. I'm curious. Go ahead and tell me. No, I gotta wait. <laughs> He's doing the show with a console fag. Uh, what? It's somebody, hello, Bob. I missed the intro. Who's doing the show with? Legal Tender has joined us in studio this evening. Highlander is out this evening because he had to work, as does Varyar. Yes, I uh, exist. I finally... For- <laughs> Not just some random guy that I keep talking about. Legal Tender, has anybody ever bothered you on Xbox Live from the show that like added you or to their no. friends list or talking like, hey, I know no. you're from the show? I mean, no, not well. Then again, usually if I see a random name, you know, friend request from, you know, whatever, slut bag go to, I'm just like, you know, if I, if I don't know the person, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm like, whatever, I just delete, ignore, and, you know, I mean, occasionally you'll get, you know, people leaving you voice messages about how the previous game went or something, trying to trash talk, and you're just like, yeah, I don't care. So, but yeah, I mean, no, the only person who ever messaged me wanting to be my friend like completely just random out of the blue was like the kid who apparently signed on with the name legal tender spelled with like the e's being threes instead of e's being like oh hey i wanted that name but you have it let's be friends and i'm like uh no No. don't (laughs) care about me (laughs) using the threes right so even if they were to remake final fantasy 7 they would get a backlash and be told they ruined it or it isn't as good a game. All right, well, that's that's a fair assessment because I don't think you're going to make everybody happy 100% of the time, all right? So I, I will, yeah. to your point, I will say that's a, that's a fair assessment. However, I think if they did it well enough, if okay, look, if they gave it the Final Fantasy thirteen treatment, as in they gave it the same kind of cutscenes, the same kind of graphics, the same kind of facelift, but kept the game itself completely intact, shot for shot, scene for scene, you're not going to have many people complain. Exactly. And that's, you know, the HD remakes are starting to become somewhat prevalent in right. consoles. You know, later this year, they're going to be doing Resident Evil 4 right, with a I remake in HD. And yeah, I'm all about that. But yeah, again, it's like they don't seem to realize that we loved the title the first time around. We'll gladly pay for it again in HD. Yes. But. I don't want you to change it. Right. Like, you it's know, that broke. Right. Don't fix it. Like, it's the same thing when they like, you know, redo maps from like, you know, a pre- like, you know, whatever. They'll take a map that was good in Halo 1 and redo it in Halo 2. But now it's got this little section over here yeah, that, that wasn't, wasn't there, there before. before. Right. And you're like, okay, this is, you know, no, this is not the same map. Like, you know, it's not as good. As the general rule, usually when you, you know, if it was so sweet, you should it would have been in there the first time. They did the same thing with Quake, where they took a lot of the maps for, like, Quake 2 and then Quake 3. Same maps from Quake 1, they just kind of regraph and put them out there, because it's slightly different. They were never the same. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah, as long as they don't fuck up by the numbers and don't change what is the game and just make it look nice. And you know what? Even if they did, every goddamn one of you listening within the sound of my voice, if they came out tomorrow... Or at E3 this week and said, by the way, we are now going to re-release Final Fantasy VII with a PlayStation 3 makeover. You'd first wet yourselves, and then you'd be running to the closest game store to pre-order that bitch three years in advance. Don't tell me you won't. They would, they would make a fortune off of it. And to hell with the haters that say, oh, you ruined it, or it's not the same. 
Well, that's up to Sony. Or Sony, that's the Square to make that happen. But yes, if they regraph it, made it look up to date, and didn't change the game. All right, then. I don't think they'd have any complaints. I, you'd be hard-pressed. Right. Unless you have some like dude out there who's like a hardcore, either PlayStation 1 purist or a, Sony, you know, a Final Fantasy purist, I don't think you'd have an issue. You shouldn't. Right. And Which, we, would handle, we would handle our own. And they're pretty much, you know, it's... I still don't know if it's been completely confirmed, but, I mean, you know, you, there's been enough articles and, like, rumors online and stuff that supposedly this year because this would be the 10th anniversary of the Halo franchise, yes. that they're doing a remake of Halo 1. Which I would find interesting, considering that Bungie said they would never do another Halo game. Well, it's not going to be Bungie. I think it's going to be probably 343 Studios. And that which would is, make me nervous. If they like, have a different exactly. company taking over somebody else's intellectual property, no. We learned that with when Raven took over and did Quake 4 uh, for id. Bad mojo. Yeah, that usually... No. It's like Twisted Metal, too, you know, yes. on like PlayStation. It's I, I remember when Twisted Metal Black came out. There's a reason it specifically said... I I can't. I think it might have been on the back cover. I, I want to say... It might be the front, but I think it was the back, where it specifically said, from the maker of Twisted Metal 1 and 2, period. <laughs> like, not 3, not 4... Because those games were done by 989 Studios, and, and where are they now? Were crap. Nine, I don't even think 989's around anymore. Uh, no, they are. Sony bought them. Did they? Okay, well, I mean, so, 989 did some good stuff. There was uh, the Siphon Filter games I thought were decent back in the day, but I think one of the benefits is of, of these companies starting to look back and redoing old games is the fact that. After you've had so many years since the original release, you've had a lot more fans, you know, you know, come to the flag, so to speak, that have played the game, that have followed along. It's like, oh, okay, I was always wondering what everybody was talking about. They've either A, played it, or they've B, heard about it. Right. I mean, people that are younger than us, uh, legal tenders, say, okay, well, I've never played a Final Fantasy VII, I will, I, you know, but I hear about it. Well, I didn't play the original Halo, but everybody talks about it. I didn't play the original Quake, but everybody knows about it. Right. All right. So you got to start wondering, like, okay, obviously this was some you know golden nugget back in the age of gaming before they played. Now all of a sudden you bring it up to date, you re-release it, and well, I didn't say Raven didn't do some good stuff. I just didn't particularly like it when they did Quake Four. Neither did anybody else. The point being, if you're going to do your own intellectual property or something that doesn't have a whole lot of build up on it, Heretic was released like what once by id, kind of as an afterthought. It was basically a Quake Quake reskin when it was just in a fantasy world and you had a mage it was okay but there wasn't like there was a whole ton you know, of time and effort put into a series whereas quake you had three very popular incarnations although two kind of suck nads and then they go ahead and they they contracted it out to somebody else you know modern's twist of metal black was probably the most hilarious twist of metal they started off with the best character in the game Siphon Filter, even if they did nearly make me smash my pad. I never really got into Siphon Filter. I played the first one. There was only one, right? No, there's been a couple. I'm sorry. Like three, I think. Well, there were three on PS1, the third of which came out after the PS2 had already been out for like over a year. So like nobody played Siphon Filter 3. But yeah, they did one, two, and three on the PS1. And since then, they've done some PSP titles for that franchise. And then also there were, I know, at least one PS2 game, which was Siphon Filter, the Omega Strain, which got pretty crappy reviews. I mean, 
I think I picked it up used for like five bucks and no, played then you it got for, like for the right ten price. minutes. Yeah, but I mean, it just yeah, the controls were bad basically. Greenbox says most gaming companies have some great stuff, but when they are given someone else's material, they normally fail at making it fit in, and that's true. And that's kind of what I was getting at is the fact that it, what happens is it's kind of like when you get a new coach on a football team or a baseball team. They immediately come in and they want to get rid of certain players. They want to get rid of some of the coaches because they want to put their own particular stamp on the team. When another company takes over a game, it's the same thing. You're going to develop it. And you're going to come at it in a different approach than more than likely the original developers had. Right. It's not the same vision. It's like we don't necessarily want your fingerprints all over this. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is us, not you, for a reason. Right. So we'll get to one quick article here before we uh, take off for the break. I'll go ahead and close this down. Let's see what we had up here. This is from GameSpot.com, and this is about, what is this? This is, the hell did it go? Video game history, the most challenging NES games. Okay, you know what? Let's hold on to that one, because that's going to take a little while to get through. This I found interesting, and here's why. Uh, this is from EscapistMagazine.com. Legal Tender, go! Piracy steals 95% of Microsoft's revenue in China. No shit. Software piracy is a problem for most developers, but Microsoft's CEO has revealed that it's really bad in China. No There's shit. a lot of chatter in the software industry about the effect piracy has on companies' bottom lines, but most spokespeople are pretty vague when it comes down to the actual numbers. That's because you can't know them by nature. I, I was going to say, you really can't quantify it, but okay. <laughs> Our game has been pirated 2,000 <laughs> times. You wouldn't know that. Yeah, 2,000 people like volunteering oh by the way send them an email right. dear microsoft i pirated your game har 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 lol yeah okay Amp. yeah it. anyways according to balmer the problem isn't as noticeable in other countries where piracy is widespread in india microsoft apparently earned six times more pc sold than it did in china on top of that balmer argued that if intellectual property protection was as strong in china as it is in india then the latter's market would be worth billions of dollars. Sure, but China isn't going to do that because China doesn't give a shit. Microsoft is an American company. Uh, the Chinese have the big middle finger to everybody that isn't Chinese. This is nothing new. And I'll get to that. I have a personal experience with this. <laughs> a personal? With, yes, with the Chinese copying and, and pirating stuff. I'll get to this in a second. You've been to China? No. no. Uh, I'll, though I, I do want to go. How does actually. it get personal? i got to hear this. I will, I will but... <laughs> Of course, the, there, there's the counter-argument that PCs are too expensive for most Chinese consumers. Probably because you don't pay them more than 10 cents an hour. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Palmer dismissed this claim by saying, if you can afford a PC, you can afford the software, and further argued that the country's massive amount of piracy was the result of the government's apathy towards IP protection. Of course, this isn't really anything new. Software manufacturers have pretty much always had a contentious relationship with China. Of course, most of the blame tends to be leveled with, at the government itself, which is claiming that it's taking steps to reduce piracy within its borders. Bullshit. The Business Software Alliance announced that 78% of software installed on PCs in the country last year was pirated. <laughs> That's How the hell do they estimate this? Like you said, there's no way you can actually know, but 70% of all software... How many copies of World of Warcraft do you think have been pirated? they got like 2 3 million people over there that play the game. I mean, with the Which subscription... I think you got to pay for the service. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was yeah. going to say. The sub, I mean, they, they'd probably be all about that. You know what I mean? It's They don't really make that much on each copy of the individual game versus, yeah, your subscription. I mean, unless you can somehow 
you know, well, hack your way into the thing and play for free. There are. You know, there are people I'm, out there that have free servers. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sure that's what they would be more concerned about. But, I mean, if you're going to pirate their game but still pay them 15 bucks a month, they probably would not make that much of a fuss about that. But I think China actually pays uh, by the hour. I think it's like two or three bucks to actually buy the game. But you pay like a buck or two bucks or three bucks or something like an hour you play. Or some such like that. I'm not, I, I, I know their subscription isn't base that, is not the same as isn't ours. Isn't that also the country where you can't play for more yes. than like two or three hours Correct. a day? I believe. Uh, you can, can you imagine what would happen if they did that in the U.S.? Like you could only play, you know, titles one or two hours per day? That would... Yikes. That would not be good. The Chinese have a podcast called The People's Court, which is what Epps about to tell us. They have two small Chinese men being racist against white people, the whole show. The whole show. <laughs> hey, to the corner. We play later. No, I, I believe that there is. There actually is a thing or a rule in place that you are not allowed to play more than X amount of hours uh, for World of Warcraft in China. And I think they actually put that in there when uh, the game launched, when Blizzard brought it over. So, but here's my personal experience with them. Now, some years ago. Uh, before I actually started working with you where we work at now, I worked for a uh, a new and used uh, sports store. Actually, ran a couple of them. Uh, that was, or worked at one of them. Uh, played against sports. And one of the things we kind of learned out is that a lot of the companies, especially Callaway, made a lot of their high-end golf clubs in China. What? <laughs> I'm just laughing. I'm playing Minecraft Pirated right now. Isn't that game free? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Careful, Greebog. You're jumping the uh, you're jumping the gun there, buddy. We're gonna get to that a little later on. I, I've got it. I, trust me. Everybody, their mother sent me that article. I've got it. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, but according to that's right, Minecraft's or uh, I'm sorry, according to micro, Minecraft's creator, he said pirating is okay. Go ahead and pirate the game. But yeah, you're right because it's free to play. I mean, there's not a whole lot of subscription to it right now. You're not paying for anything. Anyways, uh, we used to get a lot of the Callaway clubs. Uh, a lot of Callaway clubs were made in China. Well, what ended up happening was a lot of guys who were buying Callaway clubs on either the black market off of eBay or guys who had actually gone to China thought they were getting phenomenal deals. Two or $3,000 worth of Callaway clubs they're getting for five, 600 bucks. They were bringing them in because what they were doing is they had, they play them for a couple of rounds, decided they didn't like them, and they wanted to sell them, pawn them, or you know, trade them for something else. So they'd sell them to us. Okay. Well, after one or two, we, we started noticing people were complaining when they would try out the clubs that they weren't having the same kind of... Uh, Performance. Performance is the other ones. Yeah, I was going to say response. Yes. Right. Okay, well, what ended up happening was in a lot of the high-end Callaways, they use titanium because, obviously, it's very durable. It's very light. gives you a lot more performance. The ball goes a lot further. Right. For every one club that was being made in China legitimately for Callaway, for tailor-made, for the rest of these, it was some such – I remember we talked to some guy at Callaway saying they probably copied seven to eight uh, knockoffs. That they didn't slap a Callaway logo on and sell on the black market for like half the price, and we started noticing because you take a magnet and you put it to the faceplate of a like a driver or a three wood on a Callaway, it shouldn't stick because magnets will not stick to titanium. If it sticks, it's car, <laughs> it's regular steel, just off the shelf steel. Right, son of a bitch. It was coming in that a good portion of the Callaways that were being brought to us were fake. They were steel. They weren't good graphite uh, shafts. They were cheap knockoff graphite. I don't even know what the hell it was. It was crap. It would snap if you swung it too hard. 
and we were getting flooded with the stuff. I was just there a couple of days ago. Apparently, this still happens. Now, granted, we know ways of, or at least they know ways of, of finding a counterfeit now versus a legitimate one. Right. But it happened all the damn time. Light and Dark says, most golf clubs are knockoffs on uh, eBay. So, yes, you have to be very careful what you're buying. Suggest only buying from a very reputable store, like a Plate Against Sports, like a Dick's Sporting Goods, like a whatever. You know, because then you at least have somebody go back to and say, hey, maybe you're so, you know, if they are selling something that's not legitimate, by the way, it's not legitimate. It's fake. You know, we got fake baseball gloves in, too. Now, luckily, I was able to guess those right off the bat, only because the leather they were using was shit. You can tell a, a solid baseball glove. In fact, I'll, I've got a couple of my pro mitts here. You know, I kind of wanted to brag about them anyways. During the break, I'll show them to you. But you can definitely tell a professional three, $400 you know, Rawlings leather glove versus the cheap, crappy one that says Rawlings, even if right. they spelled it right. Oh, that was the other thing, too. It was kind of funny. Callaway wasn't always spelled right. And it wasn't always the correct colors when they brought it in. It would be like Callaway with like one L. Three L's, nice. Two W's, yes. Like Callaway, nice. Callaway, like two W's. And I said, "Well, Emp, manage to ready eBay from that." Well, I kind of figured that's what he was getting at. Is okay. Either it was eBay or Bat, one of the two. Most of those golf clubs are knockoffs on Beat. So it was either on eBay or off the Bat. Either way, it still works. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the top of the hour at 7 o'clock. It's time for a break. I need a drink of my root beer. So when we come back, we have a ton more to get to. We do have Forbidden Knowledge tonight. We do have the Super Video Game over the week. A ton of articles to get to and so much more. Plus, your hatred of my co-host, Legal Tender, continues after the break. Warning. This show is intended for a mature audience only and may contain harsh language, trans fats, live nudes, and derogatory comments about your mother. Those who are easily offended or have no sense of humor are encouraged to turn off the show now. Parental discretion is advised. You're listening to The Emperor's Court here on VTW Productions. Get down on your knees. I know I would. And we're back here on the Emperor's Court here on First World Productions, VTWProductions.com. I am your host, the Emperor, joined in studio by Legal Tender, who has become a quick fan favorite, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Varyar actually texted during the break to uh, point out, and he was telling me that they still, to this day, uh, get counterfeit Callaways from China. I believe he still works for uh, one of those sports stores. He says they get uh, mainly tailor-made lately, but Callaway, Titleist, and others too. So this is not surprising that they're pirating all the software. I mean, trust me, the, the golf thing's been going on for years. And I guess that's just kind of their society over there, and the government obviously doesn't have a problem with it. In fact, it's all to their benefit. I, I fully believe that you know, the government of China sees the world as an enemy. It's pretty much the world versus them. If they can bring down everybody, then so be it. So it doesn't surprise me that they're swiping all their software, especially Windows. Not to mention who the hell in China can afford it. If what you know, Hell, I can't afford Windows 7 for what they charge out here. And what are you currently running on this PC? That's not the point. I had sponsorship. <laughs> Namely my listeners. Well, they paid for like a third of the computer, so. Uh-huh. Two times I, the two times I heard Irish trad is when I got to the pub and when I listened to the show. As such, I love trad. I'm not really sure what trad is, but all right. Shriggs is coming in spring 2012. Disney's SEAL Team 6. No, the Navy has filed a lawsuit against Disney for that. 
Right after the uh, Bin Laden whacking, Disney went ahead and copyrighted uh, the, t- the name SEAL Team 6. Disney did. For what purpose? I have no idea, but they pissed off the Navy. They're like, you can't do that. <laughs> well, sponsorship slash donations. That's essentially what it was. I had to sell off a lot of my mitts. Oh, I forgot to get my mitt. I was showing Legal Tender my uh, 7.1 surround sound on the PlayStation 3. And we were watching the end of the Indians game, which we were, we had, they had bases loaded. In fact, it should probably pop on ESPN. And I forgot, I did not give an update last week for the, uh, yeah, fuck you. I didn't get an update for the Fantasy Baseball League. Cleveland won 7-3. All right, so we stopped the skid at three. Sources, the Cavaliers are attempting to add the number two pick. Jesus Christ, we're going to get everything in this draft? It wasn't even that good a draft. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers are trying to sweeten their position by securing the second pick as well, according to league sources. The Cavaliers are in discussions with the Minnesota Timberwolves and Detroit Pistons about a three-team trade that would, that would give Cleveland the top two picks of next month's NBA draft. Cleveland would get... Uh, the Cavaliers would use the picks to select Duke point guard Kyle or Curry Irving, which we'd all heard, and Arizona, Arizona forward Derek Williams. In the trade being discussed, Cleveland would absorb Detroit's Richard Hamilton, uh, his contract of $14.6 million, and uh, while receiving the Pistons' number 8 pick. The Cavaliers would then send the pick, along with their 4th pick, to Minnesota for the Timberwolves' 2nd pick. Cleveland would then buy Hamilton out of the $25 million remaining in the last two years of his contract, leaving the veteran shooting guard free to sign with another club as a free agent. Wait, so we would get the one and two pick instead of the one and four? Yeah. That's, oh, okay, that's... Really? That's a lot of wheeling and dealing and taking in big contracts just for... Two upgrade. I mean, I mean, two spots up the chain for... You, I don't know if you think the guy's worth that much, I guess. I don't, but, and apparently nobody else in the NBA does either. This, this is a very light draft. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of hype about, you know, it's not, you know, like the year LeBron came out or Dwayne Wade. Right, or, we know, had Carmelo Anthony, just, yeah, yeah. Right. No, you're right. I, I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> Poor Cavaliers. Yeah, I know. Verve, man. I heard the U.S. is trying to pass a bill to stop call centers from being overseas. So in retort, companies are featuring a six-month training program to speak in Arabic. That's okay. Not all call centers are overseas, although sometimes I wish they were. I don't have to stop helping them. Uh, this is from ObsessedWithFilm.com. As I get dinged what tech priest do we have an update on the marathon show i think i mentioned that last week that it's on hold indefinitely pending uh highlander's very busy schedule it needs to open up probably going to be after Worldcon once he's no longer busy that and varyar needs to open up his schedule so we can get him in here so once we got that done legal tender i'm sure is already on record is wanting to come back and help us with the marathon show wait what? wouldn't you when did that happen now you oh. said before that you would sit in here on for the marathon show. Oh, maybe for a couple of hours. <laughs> maybe. I think all I said was that you were kind of a wuss for not doing the whole 12 yourself. I am doing the whole 12 myself. You'd be just be there to help out. I can't talk for 12 straight. Shit, you can't do it for 12 minutes. I saw you reading the article. You're starting to labor already. All right, so you missed last week's show. That's why we have a podcast, Tech Priest. You're cruising for the purge list. Anyways, big video games that never were made. Big video game movies. Yeah, wait. 
big video game movies that never were made. Yes. You left out the word movies the first time. Kind of a key component. You want to do this, smartass? <laughs> sure. Hang on, Varyar is texting in. As news of David O. Russell's departure from the director's chair of Uncharted Drake's Fortune sends shockwaves through the internet, now seems like a good time as any to look back on a few of the epic video game adaptations that never were, or at least haven't been yet. In the background, behind all the oh, Yui Bull adaptations, Yui and the notorious Bob Hus Huskins? Huskins, yeah. Huskins, Super Mario Brothers movie, there have actually been a few projects at one point or another which threatened to be quite good. All right, the first one was Halo Combat Evolved. The game, Xbox first-person shooter Halo Combat Evolved, has, since its release date, spawned a multi-billion dollar industry. At one time being described as the biggest entertainment property in the history of the world, ever. Halo uh, sees you being playing as Master Chief, etc. So, they were supposed to make a game. Uh, the game was supposed to come out in 2011, I thought, right? And the title comes from a mysterious world of which most of the action takes place, which is terraformed on the inside of a giant mechanized halo. What's a halo? What is a halo? Yeah, go ahead it and tell us. Yes. planet in the form of a ring, basically. Yes, as you giant ring in space. Yes. In contrast, with most shooters, the Halo games have a lovely organic look because you're basically fighting in jungles, etc. What happens? Perhaps the highest profile video game to movie project to have ever seen the bottom of a dustbin, Halo could have been a huge science fiction extravaganza to rival Avatar. I would disagree. If anybody had seen Doom, you know how a first-person shooter is kind of looked at by, you know, the movie-going world. Danny Boyle collaborator uh, Alex Garland, who has since gone on to write the video game Enslaved, has slated to, or was slated to, write the screenplay and host a big-name filmmakers were linked with the production. Steven Spielberg was even credited with an interest at one time, though the most famous incarnation of the project saw Peter Jackson as producer and Neil Blomkamp as director, with the movie set to shoot in South Africa. Sound familiar? It should. This uh, Blomkamp-Jackson combo cut the losses when the plug was pulled and made this District 9 instead. Speaking of which, wow, I didn't when know I, oh, I, don't know, I definitely knew that. I remember when I watched District 9 in theater, most of my friends, you know, when we came out of there, were like, those weapons they used, they a lot of them familiar. seemed Halo-ish <laughs> in nature, like exactly as you would expect them to have looked on the big screen. And I mean, yeah, there was even on Xbox Live one time, they posted like a short, I don't know, minute or two, like excerpt of, I'm guessing what would have been either, you know, the trailer or, you know, some sort of footage from the film. And it, right. it did look kind of cool, but I mean, yeah, I don't know how a... Halo movie would have gone. Does this article continue to get into the Bioshock movie? I think it'll probably bring it up. We'll have to see. We'll have to keep going. Because rumors of a Halo movie are a universal constant, like the Saw franchise and Bruce Forsyth, with fanboys eagerly awaiting even the vaguest scraps of information. You know what? Fuck Peter Jackson, because he was also supposed to do the World of Warcraft movie and didn't. He was supposed to do Ender's Game and didn't. So the hell with that jackass. Who the hell is doing World of Warcraft movies now? Sam Raimi? Uh, look, it's vaporware. It's never going to see the light of day. Anyways, um, but for all they've gotten in return is a lackluster, cheaply made anime movie, Halo Legends. You ever watch that? Uh, I've never even heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. I think I my brother has it, and I think he, I saw him watching part of it, and it was, eh, it was okay. There you go, the Bioshock movie. Yeah. There you go. 
That one would be badass. Read up. The game. I worked in a... Now this sounds like... <laughs> reading the way this article's the perspective, it sounds yeah, like it's This is from me. the author, okay. which is at obsessedwithfilm.com. All right, so he goes on to say... I worked in a video game shop when the first Bioshock was out and was feverishly excited by it, upselling it to every customer as they tried to buy the various brown and gray Nazi murdering sims on the market, yet most of them looked at me blankly when I told them what it was about because it's a little mad. Bioshock is another FPS only with much more imagination than is typically found in 100 movies. Video games or television series. You start the game sitting on a passenger plane, which crashes into the ocean. We should probably hop to what happens. All Everybody right. knows what it is. All right. But I'm curious now. The first rumors of the Bioshock movie suggested Rapture would be created util- utilizing similar green screen techniques to Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow or 300. Better movie. <laughs> Set to direct from a screenplay by John Logan who did Gladiator and Avatar, or Aviator, Aviator sorry. <laughs> Whether kind of or not... future. <laughs> Whether or not you are a fan of the Pirates franchise, Verbinski's name at least suggested that the project was being taken seriously and would probably be afforded a reasonable budget by Universal. However, like the Halo project before, it wasn't long before the director bailed to work on Rango. Initially, Verbinski was still set to produce Rango. the movie, with 28 weeks later, director Juan Carlos Fernandezadillo <laughs> taking over directorial duties. But predictably enough, the project was soon postponed indefinitely after the studio got cold feet about splashing cash on what, all in, in all likelihood, would have been an R-rated movie. So Okay. The future. The game's director, Ken Levine, said that he is still in conversation surrounding the development of a film, so here's hoping someone ambitious and exciting picks up the Bioshock ball and runs with it. I'd heard recently that actually Ken Levine was shopping around the Bioshock franchise, but rather than potentially using the first game, Bioshock... the second one? Well, the third one which is not out yet but will be out late next year i see which is uh bioshock infinite which instead of using the underwater city of rapture uses the airbound city of columbia Hmm. which could be interesting but yeah i heard that the bioshock movie i think they said that like you know when they were talking about it that right. the budget was just going to be have to be astronomical if they didn't use green screen because otherwise you'd have to potentially attempt to build at least some part of a structure underwater. You know what I mean? Since that was, you know, how the game was based, obviously. Okay. So, yeah, the budget for that would have been ridiculous. So, During the reading, Varyar said that he's working on his schedule to try and be here for more shows in the marathon. Varyar, I'm curious, uh, since you are listening at work, when you should be working, obviously you must have a very busy night. It's a Saturday evening. They probably aren't that particularly busy. Uh, he was supposed to be working on a schedule so he can actually start attending more of these Saturday night events. He's trying to get some you know, lackey to do his job for him, which I applaud, by the way. Here's to hoping he can actually get it off. I don't know. Uh, Varyar, do you actually plan on being here next week? It's kind of like the Magic 8-Ball. I'm going to shake my phone, like, shake it, like, are you going to be here next week? American McGee's Alice. God, that's an old one. It's not really stood in the test of time, but American McGee's Alice. A macabre riff on Lewis Carroll's creation, which invites parallels with a homicidal Tim Burton, 
caused quite a bit of stir back in 2000. Its graphical prowess, art design style, and creepy atmosphere threatened to make the game an iconic cult classic. And it basically plays Alice from Alice in Wonderland. What happened? Soon after the game's release in 2000, horror legend Wes Craven was signed up to turn the project into a feature film with John August, then tasked with writing the screenplay for Dimension Films. August was then fresh from writing Doug Lyman's Go, but was soon uh, has since become better known for his collaborations with Tim Burton, which include The Corpse Bride and Big Fish. The project limped on a pre-production, changing writers every now and again, with the last scribes known as being current Battleship writers, Eric and John Hober. The Hobers completed their version of the script in 2003, only for the project to then change hands between Dimension, Fox, and Universal. Then the rights were apparently purchased by Sarah Michelle Gellar, who presumably saw it as a vehicle for her flag and feature uh, film career. Really? Gellar left the project officially in 2008. I doubt Wes Craven was still, was still attached by this point, but no other director has ever firmly been linked to the movie. With the game's sequel, Alice Madness Returns, apparently due out this year, maybe renewed interest will show, be shown by some movie studios, though many may be put off by the superficial similarity to Tim Burton's own mega-successful take on the tale last year. That's what I was just about to say. Right. They just did, he did the same thing, yeah. movie. I doubt you'd get another one so soon. If it does come up again, I'd bet the farm that Kirsten, Kristen Stewart is linked with the title. Fuck that. I won't go. I, I hate Kristen Stewart. I mean... I don't even know who that is. She's the bitch from Twilight. That would be why I don't know who yeah, that is. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're a dude. I, I mean, talk about a... She's a stone-faced, nonsense actress. She just can't do anything. She's got no emotion, no inflection, no look. She looks like a foot. I, I can't stand her. <laughs> All right, Shenmue, go ahead. Ever since it hit shelves on Sega's Mighty Dreamcast, Mighty Dreamcast? I don't know if I've ever seen those two words strung together. Mighty Dreamcast back in 1999. I had to sell that thing back in the day when I worked at GameStop. Oh, I hate it. That, that's the only console I've never bought. This Dreamcast? I, I've, I've owned yeah, all don't. of them, and I'm just... Just yeah. run an emulator on your computer. It's right. better. <laughs> Anyways, Shenmue has been universally acknowledged as the greatest game ever made. What? what? Who, who wrote Wait, this article? Who? These are these are some bold statements over no here. No shit. I mean, it was an universally okay acknowledged as the greatest game ever made. Shenmue. Okay. In it, you play Japanese martial artist and part-time capsule toy collector Ryu Hazuku, who turns up at his dojo one morning to find a mysterious Chinaman named Lan Di has killed his father and stolen a mystical mirror. Don't trust the Chinese. <laughs> the game then involves going from door to door around suburban Japanese neighborhoods, tracking Mr. D down. Juggling this investigation with a part-time job as a forklift forklift truck operator at the local docks. It's here that Ryu gets increasingly obsessed with looking for sailors and eventually sets out for China on the next ship west, leaving his adopted pet kitten behind <laughs> in the care of an infant. Yes, truly the greatest game ever known. I mean, I've heard good things about I have it, too, but, but I never played it. Yeah. But I mean, wow, okay. Put in the what chain. happened right, after a fierce bidding war for the material, which saw Harvey Weinstein pay Sega an unprecedented $50 million for the North... Jesus. Did Sega keep that money? Yeah, they <laughs> do. Because they need that money. <laughs> <laughs> for the North American distribution rights alone, Josh Hartnett set to work impersonating Ryu's wooden, perpetually bewildered speech pattern as made famous 
by Corey Marshall in the English-language vocalization of the game. Hartnett was also rumored to have spent a small fortune attempting to collect every single Virtua Fighter from the toy capsule machines on set. Okay. As he aimed to get under the skin of the game's shy, borderline simpleton protagonist. However, after James Cameron was pulled out of the project, along with executive producer George Lucas, everyone decided it would be best to lay the whole idea to rest in the name of artistic integrity. The only time that has ever happened. <laughs> Translation, they couldn't figure out what the hell to do with it. $50 million for the distribution rights. What a disgrace. And never do anything with it. What a waste of money. See, I tell you another reason why a lot of these a lot of these people don't want to take a chance on these games turning into movies is because Hollywood has taken such a beating in the last few years because the economy is so bad. Nobody wants to try and stick a project into a risky venture. Right. Everything you've seen, that's why they've been raping the 80s for the past three years. <laughs> Everything's a safe bet. They don't want to try anything. They want to go out on a limb. No avant-garde. No you know, originality. Everything's going to be a rehash, regurgitated crap of the same shit before because no one wants to take a chance. They're going to lose money on it. Yeah, but I mean, you look at, you know, what probably recently was one of the bigger chances taken with Avatar and, you know, how'd that turn out for him pretty well, I would say. Okay, yes, however, he is a force onto himself, much like George Lucas is. You know, True. he's taken his own money and he's sucking it into it, or Mel Gibson takes his own money, sinks it in his own projects. But unless people take risks like that, you never see it happen. If it's coming from a major studio... They don't want to take the chance. Right. Nobody gave Cameron the money for it. He funded the whole damn thing himself. Now, granted, it kind of worked out for him. Two and a half billion dollars later, plus whatever he got for the you know the DVD. Let's check in with... Uh, I haven't checked in on uh, IRC yet in a while. Quick, our company is failing and our console is not selling. And yet they sold $50 million. Wow. Wait. Calgore, why does Eb know who she is? I... I, I see that's the problem is now we're catching up with the conversation here in uh, IRC. I wasn't sure who was referring to. Martyrdom says, Avatar was a futuristic Pocahontas. Well, I guess, kind of. You thought Avatar was boring? I thought it was, a, uh, visually I thought it was fantastic. I mean, granted, it was kind of a rehash, regurgitated storyline. We'd had it all before. Look, I get it. White people suck. We've got all the money. We hate Native Americans. Yeah, I've seen that show before. Now it's now got to see it on a different planet in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, legal tender. And since Varyar is listening, I'll throw it out to him. I'm thinking about having a Tronathon. Uh, maybe next week, possibly the week next after that. What do you think? You in? For that would entail what exactly? Watching the original, watching the original in Blu-ray, and then watching Electron one? Legacy after it. Yes. Eh. On the cool. Recl- what do you mean? Eh. What do you have to do? It's so goddamn important. You can't come to my Tronathon. Play more Halo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what he's going to do. He's, ain't, he's not joking. That's what he's going to play. You can't put Halo down for a night just to come out here, hang out with me and Highlander and Varyar, and watch fucking. Tron or Godzilla? I have a Godzilla marathon too. I have actually planned out. I don't know when I'll do it, but all right, that one I would definitely play Halo over a Godzilla. Oh come marathon. over Godzilla! <laughs> Were you beaten as a child? You never watched Godzilla as a kid? I, I don't really see the appeal to watching. It's Godzilla. <laughs> you don't need it. It is its appeal. <sighs> come on, it's a giant monster trash in Japan. <laughs> Smite him, man. 
Council fag, get the fuck out. <laughs> Tron or the purge list, your call. <laughs> Hit him with a Pepsi can. Yeah, that story. <laughs> Rough crowd. Wow, you're a bitch. You won't come to the Tron. You know, fine. Fuck you. It's going to have pizza, and wings, <laughs> and Tron. Now you get nothing. And during the next break, go get a Pepsi throwback. I have some. I offered him one, actually. Can I just have a water, please? All this pop I got laid in. By the way, Varyar, I got plenty of beer laid in. I got like Blue Moon, something or other. By the way, I have a lot of different kind of weird bottled beers left over from the uh, party we threw a couple weeks ago for uh, Mystic Mim's brother who graduated from college. So feel free to drink all that up when you come over. But uh, apparently Varyar will be here next week. Highlander will be here next week. So we'll have uh, three here. What about you, uh, Legal Tender? You in for next week or no? You going to come back and do this again? We've still got an hour to go, so you may end up hating it even more. Or loving it, either way. I don't know. I'll have to see what happens. Tentatively, yes, I guess. Okay, so we'll have four people here next week. Well, that proved interesting. Do you have enough mics for that? I have enough mics. Actually, these things can be are sensitive enough that we can have... I've got three mics, and I can have them set up that we can uh, record four people easily. So, so what you're telling me is that this thing doesn't have to be two inches in front of my face? Well, it does when there's only two of us here, yes. When we have four people talking at once... Then no, because we can just turn up the sensitivity and have everybody stand off at. So, so why is that not what you normally do then? Because it tends to pick up ambient noise behind you. Oh. Fair I enough. I just guaranteed my attendance. Yes, I did, with the beer. <laughs> I know how to get Varyar to come over. <laughs> Varyar's Blitz, he must return for the sake of hate, that being you, Legal Tender. Maybe we can convince Valyar to get drunk on cast. I'm sure it wouldn't take a whole lot of convincing, actually. All right, we've got to do the stupid video game over the week before we uh, head into the break. So let's do that right now. From across the information superhighway, we have collected the stupidest moments in video game history. I will let you do Forbidden Knowledge, because it looks like something you would like to tell people how to do. <laughs> yes. All right, then. So for now, this is video game moment of the week. Uh, the Highlander sent these in since he wasn't able to be here. Obviously, he had the stuff written out because he wasn't expecting to be called in. Rogue Warrior. Richard Marcinko, real-life founder of the Navy SEALs, infiltration unit Red Cell, hates commies. He hates Russian commies and North Korean commies, and he'll let you know it every few seconds with the expletive-laden dialogue spoken by actor Mickey Rourke in one of 2009's worst games, Rogue Warrior. Originally the brainchild of company Zombie Studios, known for their America's Army game, publisher and distributor Beth- Bethsaida, I know that's Bethesda. a Jewish name, Bethesda, game took, fuck you, game took Zombie off the Rogue Warrior and had company rebellion developments, best known for the Atari Jaguar lone hit game, Aliens vs. Predator, to finish it off. And boy, did they ever finish it off. With a, pot, with a plot loosely based on the fiction books of Marcinko, there are many games loaded with profanity, but this game simply overdoes it. The music isn't even particularly great either, and the sound effects are nothing and really stand out. The game doesn't even display enough realism to convince me that it's based on Earth, or even reality itself. I'm not sure what kind of alien technology is used in the machine guns, but whatever it is, it removes that pesky thing called recoil. When Marcinko fires, he can keep it steady on the enemy's face without inching up a hair. Not even a hair. No wonder the SEALs were able to take out a whole compound of Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. 
Most enemies cannot see more than 50 feet, and the sound of hurried footsteps, created by Marcinko sprinting across the room, does nothing to alert them. If you run across a sniper rifle, you can pick them off one by one, uncontested, as they are oblivious to your presence. The ability to sprint undetected can rack up a lengthy chain of stealth kills, which are usually accompanied by a homoerotic one-liner about polar bear testicles. No, I didn't just make that up to be funny, I'm serious. I'd tell you more about the game, but there honestly isn't much much more of it. This game can be beaten in about two hours' time. For a game that originally cost $60 to have so little to do, I want it to be delivered by Steven Skull's Navy SEAL character in Under Siege, along with that random hot stripper chick that jumped out of the cake. Actually, Steven could just stay at home. I'd rather give the 60 bucks to the stripper than buy Rogue Warrior. Short, repetitive, and crappy all the way through. Just like the Empress Court went Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Another stupid moment in video game history. From across the information superhighway, we have collected the stupidest moments in video game history. <laughs> All right, Highlander 1, me nothing. That was, <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> he had to know I wouldn't get to that to the end. So. <laughs> and that you didn't read it beforehand. Nope. <laughs> it was like a freaking Anchorman moment there. You're just reading whatever's on the screen. That's exactly what I did. I hadn't looked at it prior to that. Uh, shit. This is from GameSpot. What? I'll say this, uh, Force of Legal Tender. I think we've gotten through more articles than Highlander I normally get through. But here is a list of games. These are the games, the hardest games on NES. And tell me if you ever played any of these. Uh, looks like this one. That for... would be Battletoads. Let's, uh... So, Battletoads Castlevania, the original. Let's see. Did not this? play that one myself. I remember, I remember this one way back when. The original uh, Vampire Hunting Adventure was memorable. Memorable for a number of reasons, but its difficulty was and remains infamous. While most people immediately think of the boss battle with the Grim Reaper as the pinnacle of its toughness, uh, really, uh, the rest of Castlevania wasn't exactly a slouch. Now, I remember playing this so long ago, I don't remember if I even completed it. Now, Simon's Quest, I remember playing all the way through, but that's the only one I really remember. Let's see what else they've got. Number three is the Teenage original, Mutant Turtles. Yes. yes, the first one on NES. Right. With that underwater level, right. which is pretty much, for most people, the extent of what you saw. I mean, I only beat the game years later with an emulator because, you know, it had a save feature. Yes. Save anytime, anywhere. So, you know, you would just get hit, reset, you know, reload, reload, save, just saving constantly after. Uh, that'd be so the real problem like came everything. with the underwater segments. There yes. you go. When the turtles had to disarm bombs within a certain amount of time. Stiff controls, electrical fields, electrical seaweed, instant death seaweed, all made it seem as if someone on the development team said, how can we make this as difficult as possible while making it as annoying as having someone scratching his fingernails across a check, uh, chalkboard? I, yeah, See, I that, that game, what, you know, and again, like I said, most people never got past the underwater part, as this article sort of lays out. Yep. When you actually do with the emulator, that water part is... Not even, like, the Technodrome comes later, and that will kick you <laughs> in the ass just over and over again. They throw just crazy crap at you, and like I said, you know, nobody knows about it because nobody could ever get past the underwater segment. Right. So. I just remember driving around that stupid van. They didn't really see another point. I'm like, what the hell do I do now? 
There's like no instructions telling me where and to it, go. And it travels at the exact same speed as your character yes, walking. Yes, run. It was just <laughs> yes. kind of cool to have until you realized there's no benefit to having this damn thing. Right. I'm getting off of it. It's kind of funny. I mean, if games were as difficult today as they were back then when we were growing up, people wouldn't play them. In this day and age, like, fuck this. I'm not going to play. I'll go play Angry Birds. I mean, there's two parts to that argument. I mean, one is obviously, you know, like I said, you know, now we have, you know, hard drives and memory cards saved. So, I mean, there are some games that can be pretty damn difficult, but you usually, you know, hunker down and, you know, take it checkpoint by checkpoint, you know what I mean? And just, or whatever, the save anytime, anywhere. You're just saving after every two or three enemies, crap like that. Just in case something goes wrong. Right. Right. There's a few games that are still pretty tough, but I mean, yeah, by and large, you know, that the old Nintendo model of, you know, as soon as you die three times... Game's game over. Game over. Start all the way back at the beginning. Thank you know God what for I mean? the Konami it's, code, huh? Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, this it's is just a, a different setup. I, f- I plugged my way through this one all the way to the end. I made sure I beat this one. Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. <clears throat> nice. Original Ninja Gaiden was one of those difficult games where the challenge was significant, but perhaps not as frustrating as some of its counterparts. Ninja Gaiden's controls were really quite fluid, and any mistake or death usually came from poor decision-making. Rather than the fact that the game was overly, overly cheap. Uh, that's not to say it didn't have its cheap moments. Ninja Gaiden had a share of enemies that generally made things difficult, but in most cases, they were easily dealt with if you had the right kind of uh, magic at your disposal. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember having to jump from like wall to wall to wall, right and left and right, and kind of climb all the way up to the top and then jump up. It was, it was not easy. Now, this one, I, The Adventures of Bayou Billy. You've played this? The Baron had this I, one. I, I, this I played it as well, actually, because I, uh, when I first got my NES, we got it from my cousin, and we took you know his system and his game collection when he got the SNES, basically. And, yeah, this was one of the games that he happened to have was The Adventures of Bayou Billy. It was a badass game. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Baron actually had got this one for Christmas, I remember, because I played it more than he did. Uh, oh, man, these are... That's a classic game. <laughs> it's like uh, Crocodile Dundee on like steroids. Basically, yeah. Instead of putting a game cartridge in the box, Konami should have just put one of those mechanized boxing gloves that punched the owners of Bayou Billy repeatedly in the <laughs> face. It would have been more fun. What than playing through a game that was absolutely merciless? The only time we'd seen someone actually get through even small parts of the game was by relying on super cheat tactics that were about just as fun as jumping into a barrel filled with fire ants. <laughs> See, I mean... I have not played Bayou Billy in, you know... 15, 20 years? Exactly. Yeah. But I I don't necessarily remember it being that difficult. I don't know. I feel like I did sections. I, gotta, and, see, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, up on an emulator. I, if I had to guess, I'm pretty sure I probably didn't beat it, but I don't remember it being... like That hard. Exactly. Like I gotta tell you, I don't think about it. I don't think it is either, but I don't know that I went all the way through it. But again, it's been 20-some years since I right. played it. Yeah, that's... Now this one. You know what? Maybe we're going to start putting games on the purge list. This one gets the big fuck you from me. Blaster Master. The hardest game I have ever played, and I think we actually had this in the stupid video game moment of the week because it was impossible to win. Much like Ninja Gaiden, Blaster Master wasn't challenging because it was cheap. It was challenging because it required some serious skill and dexterity to maneuver without really getting hit. To this day, Blaster... Excuse me. Blaster Master still stands as one of the best games in the Nintendo Entertainment System. Thanks to some of them innovative changes in perspective that brought both platforming and overhead shooting action to the experience. See, okay, 
I'm seeing a disconnect between what the author of this article is saying and what I, my experiences are. I remember that game to this day and how much I hated it back then. This is another one that gets the big fuck you from me. You ever play this one? What is this one? Solomon's no. Key. No. Oh, actually, yeah. never even heard of this one. like a puzzle game. Yeah, yeah, it's a puzzle game. Okay. This NES classic introduced many of us to the concept of a puzzle platformer, and like any good puzzle game, Solomon's Key got seriously tough in the later stages. Not only did players have to worry about retrieving the key and then getting to the exit, but they also had to worry about some clever foes that would be made inadvertently more difficult to... Try a player's own actions. Buy a player's, yeah, yeah. Buy a player's own actions. Yeah, because you'd go to get what, something, and the next thing you know, you're getting killed because you were opening up, like, say, you were opening up uh, a room to go get a key to open up a door. All right? Okay. Well, by doing that, and you may not have been aware of it, but you inadvertently now open yourself up to being attacked by a monster you necessarily didn't see. So, like, as soon as you grab the key, he's there? Yeah, or, or he starts coming, he comes in from, like, the other side of the screen. Kind of like a Pac-Man thing. You're like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. Where the hell did this guy come from? Oh, shit, he's coming for me, and i got to run. Except the only door into the the same door you came in is the only way out. So, right. you know, and here he comes, and you're like kind of running into it. It's, you know, there's a lot of timing involved. It was a pain. I oh. Let's see. Mega Man? Really? I didn't think it was that hard at all. I, I blew through that pretty quick. The first one? Yeah. I've never played the first one. Wow, really? I was all oh, okay. about two. Again, you know. Two was had, more, more we, popular. We inherited our collection from my cousin, and yeah, he, right. had, he had two. He didn't have the first one, so. There's no clearer sight of Mega Man's difficulty than the fact that Capcom deliberately made Mega Man 2 easier because so many players complained of the original's difficulty. I got to tell you, I don't remember it being that hard. The enemies in the original Mega Man were absolutely brutal and had no shortage of tools at their disposal to stop players from progressing. Of course, after some time, their patterns of weaknesses became quite apparent, but it took a strong will and even stronger fingers to get to that point. And I guess that's all of them. So Hmm. that's only eight. And the one we didn't really cover, which was... uh, Battletoads. Battle this one? Battletoads, yeah. yeah. I never really played Battletoads. I we had it and I played it extensively, but I I know for a fact that that one I'm you know, <clears> I don't remember specifically what exact level we would always get to, but I right. mean it was, you know, two or three. That one was that was a tough one, definitely. They I sent mean, it, they sent a lot of enemies at you. So and one thing I did I did realize, um in a, after a while of NES games, and looking back at it, I'm surprised I didn't realize the time is you really had to put your time in. I mean, it's one thing to say that, you know, kids play seven, eight hours of games, at, you know, a day. Try doing it all in one sitting because, like you said, there was no save feature. Right. If you wanted to beat Mario Brothers 3, and I didn't know about the whistles, I, you know, I would spend, I would start, like, in the, like on a Saturday morning and play <laughs> all the way to the evening. And I finally get to the end. I remember getting to Bowser uh, a couple times, and you know what? I said, I, fuck this. I, I'm tired. I'm going outside. I'm going to play baseball. I can't stand it anymore. I'd, I'd come outside like... And I asked my friends or my brother's friends or my sister's friends, does anybody want to go in and, you know, finish being Mario 3 for me? Because I don't want to play. You can go ahead. No one ever did. It's like, nah. It wasn't until years later I found out the whistles that'll let you go between one zone and another. I'm like, oh, my God. Right, jump three You've got to be ahead. shitting me. Really? <laughs> I was pissed. But I did eventually go back and beat it. Cause I remember renting it from uh, Falls Video. For like a weekend, because my grades were, you know, really, really good, and that was one of the things that I was allowed to get. Um, anytime I was sick, if I wanted to get like uh, rent a game for like two days or three days, I'd right. rent like Genghis Khan or Romance of Three Kingdoms, like a war game. And sometimes I'd get 
Mario 3. And I, that was like my favorite one of the bunch. I'm like, this is a great game. And I, you know, you'd hear about all the tricks from friends at school, like, oh yeah, if you hold the button down, you'll like drop behind the screen, or yeah, you know, half the tricks they told me never worked, or they just made up because they wanted to seem cool. But that was one of those games that everybody seemed to have and play. Turbo Tunnel and Battletoads, and you're fucked. Now, ever play Battletoads? The Battletoads jet bike section hated the players with a passion. Emp didn't have the cool friends who knew the whistles from World 1. No, I guess I didn't. <laughs> was there a whistle in World 1? Yeah. It's... I remember there being one in a desert. I think it was one in World 5 in the clouds. But I legitimately played that one through level 1 all the way through 9 and beat Bowser without the damn whistles a couple times. No save feature. I was a wreck at the end of that thing. That was a marathon, man. <laughs> You better make sure that when those uh, toad three-piece sliding puzzles come across that you're earning your five free guys every time yes. and whatnot. And the uh, flip cards. Yeah, to see what you get. You had to mash them to get, yep. uh, to get uh, something you get to save. Which what? now, when you, uh, when you play that game now with the emulator, you'll flip one card, save, flip another, get the, you know, find yeah, out. Get them yeah, right. Flip <laughs> until you match, reload your save. That's... <laughs> You so just get, like, abuse the save feature as much as possible. Well, that, what, you make sure you get that raccoon that allows you to fly through the entire map. Yep. Behind the first black ending. Yeah, that, okay, that's right. Cause, that's right, because I was just saying, you hop up on like a white block and you hold the button down so the guy crouches, mm-hmm. and you hold it down for like three seconds and he drops behind the map and you yeah. run behind the black uh, ending. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, it'd be super fast because you drop behind the scenery. That's right, because if you didn't, then you'd pop back into the regular game. How the hell were we supposed to know that? If it wasn't for Nintendo Power, no one would have ever known that. And I didn't have Nintendo Power. And that's the kind of stuff they don't do in games anymore. No, they don't. You know what I mean? They don't really... It's on Game Packs the day it's released. Well, I mean, there's that. But, I mean, just in general, I the only recent example in memory was uh, Arkham Asylum, Adam's favorite game of all time, basically. <laughs> there was a, uh, like, many months after the game had been out... The developers came out and was like, you know, told you about like a secret room that revealed like a map that like, you know, was hinting at like the sequel to the game. Okay. And they because you have like this explosive gel in the game that you can like use if there's like a wall that, you know, looks all cracked and beat up or, you know, flip into detective mode. It'll be pretty obvious that that's a destructible wall. Well, one of the random, you know, walls in part of the game. If you flip to detective mode, it wouldn't look like that. It was just, you know, it was a normal wall. And, you know, the the uh, explosive gel would tear down a wall with, you know, you spray, you apply the spray once, right. detonate, wall gone every time. And so apparently the developers were shocked that nobody found their secret of a destructible wall that didn't look destructible and you had to apply the gel like, I don't know, six or seven times. Like, you know, so even if you for some reason, had some inkling, you to know, do that it a bunch you, of times. right, exactly. Yeah. You'd have to do it to like every wall to find that secret and just, you know, six or seven times. Like nobody's going to do that. You only held three explosive gels in your inventory at a time. So like, you you'd have to use them all. They go find some more. Well, it it's not about finding you have unlimited, but like you can only, you can lay down three, then detonate those three. And yeah, you could lay down three more, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like, Who would think to do it? Right. right. Like I said, every instance, one gel does the trick. So why would you think that, you know, maybe if I do that six more times, like, that's 
you know, you know what they say about, you know, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Yes, you're a fool. <laughs> so where, how did you actually end up finding out about it? No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the developers like came out and, and told like, people. Post, okay. Yeah, posted it like months <clears throat> after the game, and it's like part of the reason. Maybe part of the reason no one found it is because crap like that doesn't happen in video not games. To look for it. Right? Yes, exactly. I agree. Back I in agree. The, back in the NES days, you know, maybe you might, you know, if you're mess playing Legend of and... Zelda, you're dropping a bomb next to every single <laughs> wall because you didn't know which one was going to break open to re- reveal a little, you know, hole that you could walk through the next room. Right. Exactly. Apparently, Emp never watched The Wizard. Uh, the hell I didn't. I watched The Wizard, but the game was out before the movie was. I think, didn't it? That was one with Frank Savage. Yeah, Frank Savage. Remember, they're playing Warcraft. Or it's Warcraft. Mario 3. Yeah. I think that was, came out after the game. Man, I don't remember them ever showing The Whistles either. I haven't seen that game, movie in 20 years. Right. That was an yeah, awesome I, advertisement for Mario 3. I've seen that movie once. I just remember some douchebag with a power glove. I'm like... He Only was, in the movies you're going to see some in that power movie. Glove. He was also there's Ed, from what I remember, wasn't there a scene where he's playing the turtles game on, and he was in the underwater segment? Maybe was there can sh- confirm or deny that? Maybe they're trying to show that he was awesome by being able to get through the one stage that nobody else in the world could. <laughs> right? Possibly, I'd have to bust out that movie. I don't think I, I don't think I actually own it on DVD. I, but thought, I tell you, I bet I know where I could find it. I could have sworn you told me a while ago that you do own it on DVD. I don't think I have it on DVD. I do know I have it on VHS. Nice. But I don't think do I... Do you have a VCR in this house? I do, but I don't know that it works anymore, but it might be on Netflix. <laughs> eh, that's, that's a possibility. So guess we're going to watch after the Tronathon. We're going to watch The Wizard. The Power Glove, it's so bad. I hated the Power Glove. Did you actually own it? Uh, my buddy somebody, had it brought okay. over a couple times. We always, I remember trying it. He just looked at me and said, what the hell do we do with it? I'm like, I don't know. It's your power glove. You figured it out. And he's kind of doing, you know, he's kind of waving his arm back and forth trying to get, you know, there's only like three games at work with and there weren't games that I owned. He right. had to go out and rent them. But so, no, I, looking back on it now, so the power glove was basically the precursor to the Wii, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, essentially. Yeah. Well, and, and the, pre- the precursor to the Kinect was another video or uh, Nintendo controller they had out, which I did own. Um, it was that infrared, kind of look like a uh, virtual, like a boy? laptop. No, 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 no. That's when we actually. It's like it's a headset, isn't it? Yeah. This vir- one virtual was, boy burns your retinas right. after like fifteen minutes. Of yeah, play. it was dangerous. <laughs> no, this one was a kind of look like a laptop. What you do is you open it up, so it kind of looks like a. If you ever play Battleship, where you got the the scoreboard on the top and then the bottom, and you put your hands in in the middle over top of it, right in dead center, and if you like. You could play like a boxing game, like Mike Tyson's punch out, moving your fists, or you could, you know, play Rad Racer by, you know, moving your his, your fist left and right, really? like a wheel. But it never worked, <laughs> never worked. My parents paid a fortune for that damn thing, <laughs> and we were poor as shit. We didn't have any money. That's like, yeah, the steering wheels tend not to work. I've never, I, I like back in like PS One days. I bought, like, one of the $50, $60 steering wheels thinking, like, oh, sweet, you know, like, Gran Turismo, Need for Speed, you know, some of those games. I'll use, yeah, I'll use the steering wheel. And you just, it just does not work as well. It's like, I'm just going to go back to the controller where using the controller I don't smash into that, you know, third turn 18 times in a row. Here's one controller I do have, especially when I got for my birthday. What the? Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's basically just uh, NES... It's like a, uh, bringing the arcade yeah, yeah, yeah. thing no, no, home. This is right. what I'm talking about. This is one my parents got me. 
and it's it's I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but it's a NES controller, and right, it looks like an arcade um, setup. We got you know the, the, all the buttons, the turbo button. You've got an arcade controller, so this right. is kind of cool. It took a little while to get used to, but yeah. Did you use it? Did it become oh, yeah. your? Yes. It became your yes. controller of choice it was after my a while. Controller when I started playing NES games back when I was a kid. Absolutely, and I still have it. Nice. You still have a working NES anywhere? Sure, got three of them. Really? Yep. Nice. Not that it really matters. I just compl- I play emulation on this thing because I've got. In fact, I'm right. showing you the controller that Blizzard got me. It's actually in that little cubby right there. Uh, it should be on the left. I don't know if you can grab it from here. This one? Yes. That's the one Blizzard sent me back in 05. Nice. Nyko yes. Airflow. Right. What you do is you actually, uh, instead of a rumble feature, it's yeah. got little fans that'll keep your hands cool. It does dry. not rumble as well. It doesn't rumble at all. Just cools. Anyways, folks, after the break, we're going to have your mailbag. Speaking of me winning Blizzard stuff, somebody had a question as to where my winning um, video was for the World of Warcraft competition that uh, netted me my cool beta keys and my 30-inch monitor. I do have that. In fact, I believe it's on this computer. I think I transferred it over. Let me, in fact, take a look here. I have to get through a bunch of... I have to organize this. The problem is every time I change the resolution, now everything gets thrown around, so I just never really did. Uh, screenshots and... <laughs> this is a cool one, Minecraft. <laughs> uh, let's see. Does this have any of my videos in it? No, it doesn't. This is just weird pictures. That's kind of strange. I thought I had my videos on here. Maybe they're on the other computer. That could be. But I thought I transferred everything over to this new computer. I guess I did not. Uh, folks, I do have the original video that won me this, and I will put it on YouTube at some point. I do have a channel. I should put it up. I'm, not, I'm surprised I didn't, actually, to be honest. So I will get that done probably sometime this week so you guys can watch that because I know a couple of people have been asking. We'll get to that in a little while. Anyways, if you have a question, comment, opinion, especially on Council Fag Boy here. <coughs> Legal tender to the rest of you. Be nice to him. Send an email, emperor1g at cox.net. Your questions, your comments, your emails after the break, as well as the forbidden knowledge and everything else up. So here we go. We're going to take a break. We'll be back here in about 10. Morning. This show is intended for a mature audience only and may contain harsh language, trans fats, live nudes, and derogatory comments about your mother. Those who are easily offended or have no sense of humor are encouraged to turn off the show now. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome back. This is Mystic Mim, and you're listening to the Emperor's Court. You can micro me any day. Praise the Emperor. For the Emperor! All right, folks, we're back here on the Emperor's Court here on First World Productions, VTWProductions.com. I am your host, the Emperor, joined in studio by Legal Tender. And we are 40 minutes left in the show. We have a couple things to get to, including the mailbag. Uh, coming up here in just a second, if you have a question, comment, opinion, now is the time to get it in. Emperor1she at Cox.net. Well, as we begin to be wrapped this up here, uh, Legal Tender, what have you thought so far? On what exactly? The show, doing the, the show. show. What you, was it what you thought? Are you enjoying it? Having fun? I said I'd ask you towards the end. I thought I would do that now. Yeah, it's fun. 
I just, the screen, like I said, the font size sometimes. You're blind as hell. This thing's like really <laughs> dialed up. I'm surprised you can't read it. I don't think I'm the only one. I hear the show and, you know, sometimes, <laughs> what? Who complains? You know, I'm not the no, only not, one. No, it's not that people complain, but, you know, sometimes when I, as a listener, you'd wonder why the hell you or Adam tripped over your words once or twice. And Stop calling I, me, Adam. You're breaking the fourth wall. Now Goddamn. <laughs> I believe you've done that already tonight. I have not. Not tonight. I haven't. No. I'll download this one and <laughs> you do find that. it. You get I'm the podcast. Sure you did. I know you did earlier. <laughs> no, I do it because I speak so fast. I kind of trip over it. That's my problem. No, I could read it just fine here. You need glasses. Scoot closer to the damn TV. You don't have to be all the way over here. Get away from me. Go closer to this. So is it something you do again, legal tender? Despite yeah. all the abuse you're taking from uh, the fans here. None left. Only the council fag broke the fourth wall. Well, until Amp called him out on it. Well, I did. <laughs> he did earlier. So I pointed it out. <laughs> Anthony the charge to the purge list for that comment. Oh, yeah. Love the punishment music. Yeah, she would. But she's like only one of like three. Speaking of which, where the hell is Digit? I see her. She uploads her articles for like the newsletter, but I haven't seen her in IRC for the last two or three shows. What the hell? We only got like five chicks listening to the show. We can't afford to lose one. <laughs> the hell are you guys going to do during the break? <laughs> got to harass somebody. <laughs> All right. I guess it's time for the mailbag. So i got to pull it up here. The post office delivered your hate mail to the house again. Anything worth looking at? No, just the usual death threats, letter bombs, and human feces. You always make it sound worse than it is. How do you know it's human feces? As always, you can send your comments to emperor1g at cox.net, cox.net. Dear Emperor and Legal Counsel Fag Tender. <laughs> legal Tender is pretty bad at reading. You need to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> He is a bad co-host. Howder is much better at being Amp's bitch. With, more, with much hatred, Calgore. P.S. I hope you can make it for the marathon show. It would be fun to have someone to mock and say hateful things for 12 hours. It would really make the show better. <laughs> hey, epic console fag. Death. Love, Dina. <laughs> Jesus. Death. All right. Uh, Alright, I don't know if this shows more desperation by Playboy, the fans, or the game company. And why the hell is Charlie Sheen's name on the cover of a Polish Playboy? Finally, this trend needs to be stopped now before we see, as common, Playgirl touting Duke Nukem. Uh, Goomba Boy has sent in an article about, apparently, the Polish Playboy has Charlie Sheen on it? I don't know. We'll say that one for uh, next week. Dear Imp, Total Biscuit recently linked his entry to the World of Warcraft Arena Shoutcast competition. You know, the one where you won that monitor that counts more inches than Highlanders? It was amusing to see how hyped the TV was to a game to uh, be able to... I'm sorry. Let's try that again. It was amusing to see how hyped TB was able to get about something he didn't understand a thing about at all. It made me wonder uh, what your own entry would be like, uh, but I wasn't able to find it on the tubes. Hence my email, where could it be found, if anywhere at all, Onan. Well, Onan, until recently, Blizzard actually had that website up. Although they took it down, they kind of rolled it into this um, this giant page that showed all of the winners of the various contests the last few years. Because, at least on the U.S. side, they never actually officially announced the winners. They took that page down. So it's not up there anymore. So I will put it on YouTube for you to watch. 
Uh, I'll have to do that probably sometime this week. Hey, Imp, I saw the story and knew you'd want to see it if you have not already. Really puts things in a new, uh, new perspective, doesn't it? Xanath. And he sent me an article uh, about the tortured Chinese prisoners having to farm gold in World of Warcraft. Uh, we'll get to that a little later uh, this evening. We're going to get that before we're out for the night. That's an awesome story, Is by it? the way. Okay, so you've read it. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, Amp, Little Rex here. I was listening to Blue Please this past Friday when I finally came to the realization of what you and Highlander mean by shows taking too many breaks. Every time I would finally get into a groove of listening and playing my game, TB would take another music break. Compared to your show in proportion, Blue Please has about six breaks in an hour and a half compared to your three in a three-hour show. Thank you for being such an awesome host. Uh, I'm sorry, I actually take two breaks for the record. One at the top of the 7 o'clock hour, one at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Thank you for being such an awesome radio host and providing ample time for me to become engrossed into your show. Love, as always, Little Rex. P.S. Highlander, I hate you, and you may baby Jesus cry. Uh, let's see. Sent me in. Apparently you're the only one, you're not the only one who's twice as fast as the average. This sent in from Porta. He sent me an article saying, quote, the average time a porno film is watched in a hotel room is 12 minutes. That is all. Uh, there's Does a that running relate to something. There's a running gag. I, I made some kind of comment. Uh, there's the Sharpe that my sister's trying to get me to take. Um, no, my uh, we have a running gag where for I, and I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I made the the point that you can only watch like porn for six minutes, or it's only worth watching for six minutes, or something like that. I, I don't remember how it went. But, of course, now every time porn's mentioned, it's Amp only watches porn in six-minute segments for some reason. Amp, this reminder, the Valve Idiot Tax article, be reminded. Okay, we'll do that one right after the mailbag. Some kind of idiot tax the Valve is considering. Sakani, not in IRC, got raptured, listening from heaven. This place is boring. Sakani. Okay, that's from last Saturday. Uh, whatever. And I believe that's it for the mailbag for this week. So quite a few, but a lot of small stuff. All right, so there's Valve has put in some kind of tax for idiots, and I've heard about this discussed in the forums. Valve discusses charging customers based on popularity from escapismagazine.com. Go ahead. Let's try and improve your reading skills. <laughs> One of Gabe Newell's theoretical Steam payment methods would charge more for players that are awful people. There are a few standard payment models I'm for fun. video games today <laughs> that include retail, monthly fees, and microtransactions. Valve boss Gabe Newell recently called these models broken, revealing that the company is looking into new ways of charging customers based on the customers themselves. In a lengthy interview with Develop, Newell said the industry is a, has a broken model, which is one price for everybody. That's actually a bug, and that's something that we want to solve through our, in, through our philosophy of how we create entertainment products. Rather than pricing a product based purely on what that product is worth, Newell talks about pricing a product based on what the customer is worth as well. Some people, when they join a server, a ton of people will run with them. Newell continued, other people, when they join a server, will cause others to leave. Well, I know for a fact that I bring people to play. By the fact that my WoW Guild is 35 people strong after merely mentioning it in passing. Weren't those people playing anyway? Yes, but not on this server, not with me. They start over from scratch. So, or, at best, they have to pay 25 bucks to transfer their main characters over. Really? 
there's a fee to transfer yes. your character to another server? Yes. That seems pretty lame. Yes. I agree. <laughs> and you stop right here. Yes. So in practice, a really likable person in our community should get a... What the hell does that say? Dota 2 for free? Yes. Defense of the Ancients. Ah. Uh, because of past behavior in Team Fortress 2. Now, a real jerk that annoys everyone, they can still play, but a game is full price, and they have to pay an extra $100 if they want voice. Newell also went over how Valve <laughs> okay. is already charging high-value customers negative amounts, such as those that were paid royalties for creating Team Fortress 2 items. Their cost for Team Fortress 2 is negative $20,000 per week, he said. You're never going to see that in a retail store. It's people who make hats get paid. People who are really popular play for less or free. Could this be a method that actually reduces the number of people whose internet anonymity causes them to spout an endless number of obscenities and racially motivated comments just because yeah, they were gunned Nick. down by a sniper? It seems <laughs> like it might. Not that internet jerks would disappear overnight, but money could be a strong motivator to make someone pat a fellow player on the back instead of teabagging him. All right, so, okay, here's a couple problems with this right off the bat. First off, how do you quantify exactly what behavior is considered jerk-like behavior? And who's, the, who's going to be the, the judge on this? I mean, what's to stop somebody from, you know, you and getting some of your friends to complain about one particular guy just because you want to do it? If you get seven people saying, oh, no, this guy's a jerk, you should charge him. So, for one, how do you quantify it? I mean, the actual charging of players would probably, it would almost be like you'd have to have somebody at Valve sitting in on like the voice chat or whatever yeah they're gonna like, pay to cover how many tens of thousands of players and how many hundreds of thousands of servers well apparently if they're gonna be potentially making a hundred bucks per head on every asshole <laughs> that'd be a pretty <laughs> lucrative business wouldn't it i, mean, I guess <laughs> well what ended up happening is those people would not play the game well, now right, I mean, if you want to turn around and give the game for free to people who are nice oh cool everybody can be nice that's cool i'll be nice up until i get the game for free you're not going to make any money on the game then. You know, I'll be an asshole later, if not at all. Okay, let's say in a perfect world, everybody's nice to each other, all right? Legal tender. There's no, you know, asshats in the world. These game companies would go under because they'd be giving the game for free because everybody's a good guy. They're not talking about just giving every game away for free to everybody who's nice. They're just saying that, you know, in some examples where people have gone out of their way, they'll, you know, give them a So then everybody and their mother starts going out of their way just to get free games and free shit like that. Okay, I get it. That's fine. But it's not a, a business plan that can work. If anything, this is just, you know, Gabe Newell trying to throw something up there that's controversial, that get people talking, and it's working because here we are talking about it. Right. But he gives no specifics as to what, you know, again, who's the final judge, who quantifies this, who would qualify. Not to mention, eventually, what's going to end up happening is you'll have lawsuits or boycotts or people complaining. You know, somebody will take something out of context. He'll be banned or be forced to pay more money. Which, of course, you know, once the truth comes out, then you'll have a backlash against Steam. I see nothing but problems coming from a model like this, what he's talking about doing. I mean, I don't know how serious this is supposed to be taken. Again, I don't it could know, not be. I don't know that this, they're actually going to go to this model, but basically what they're saying is, you know, hey, if we notice that you've gone out of your way to be helpful and good to others in the community, we okay, might again, break you off what is, what is considered well, I mean, helpful or, or good behavior? Clearly it's at their discretion if they're there the ones go. that are, you know, giving out the whatever. The there would have to and, be some kind of... 
you know, uniform, some kind of list, some kind of rules you can actually take a look at and <laughs> so say. you can check off. Yes. Yes. The did this, did this, did this. Where's my free game? <laughs> I didn't swear anybody today. I didn't call anybody an asshole. I didn't, you know. Today. I didn't. <laughs> Keyword. Operative word there. I didn't lock anybody in the base so they couldn't get out. I didn't spray paint porn all over the map, you know. In a perfect world, legal tender plays PC. In a perfect world, legal tender can read. They're, <laughs> they're harsh. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that, uh, you know, and I, you've always commented on people in IRC misspelling things yes, and typing like crap. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I can read just fine. Siphon filter has a Y as the second <laughs> character, not an I, people. <laughs> I had noticed that, actually. All right, so let me uh, clear some of this away here. <clears throat> Just so I can... I'm going to save that PlayStation Network. I want my games. Are we going to talk about the Chinese gold farming? Yes, we will. It's probably that probably the last one we talk awesome. about. Awesome. Yeah. You want to do it now or you want to do it for a bit of knowledge? Uh, I don't care. Whatever. Instead, we'll do e- E3 2011 preview, and then we'll do the rest. All right, Electronic Expo is gaming's biggest annual showcase... Uh, that's assuming, of course, you were ignoring packs. E3 promised to be a jam-packed week of brand new video game announcements, new console and handheld reveals, celebrities, and ridiculous parties. We'll be there, and through the magic of the internet, we'll be uh, you will be too, and we'll be streaming it live, etc., etc. This will be we.ign.com. <clears throat> Nintendo Zelda Ghost Skyward turns 25. Nintendo's biggest game of the year is Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, the next installment of the epic generation spanning Zelda franchise. Skyward Sword relies heavily on the Wii Motion Plus 1-1 motion controls for its sword combat and various attack items. We're expecting to finally get a concrete release date and additional details. Apparently, Nintendo plans to celebrate the franchise's 25th anniversary this year. Let's see. Nintendo's next console. Okay, that looks like a piece of shit. The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword uh, may as well be the game that closes off the Wii's lifespan. And paves the way for Nintendo's next console, the Nintendo will reveal at E3. Currently codenamed Stream of Ore Project Cafe, Cafe, the console is rumored to be more powerful than current generation hardware and reportedly comes with a controller equipped with a 6-inch touchscreen capable of streaming game content from your television. It's a different approach for Nintendo. We might need uh, to wait for specific details on price and launch lineup, but we do expect to learn plenty about the hardware controller and Nintendo's plan of attack to recapture the hearts and walls of hardcore gamers who may have been put off by the Wii's focus on casual, shitty, mass-market gaming. Well, okay, the shitty was mine, but you get the idea. We also expect to see the third-party developers Nintendo will be aligning with. Uh, the new console may just be the home, H-O-P-M-E, to not only the next Mario games, but also the next Call of Duty and Battlefield as well. This is an IGN article. This is excusable. Fuck that. <laughs> 3DS, beyond the launch. After a tepid and fairly lackluster launch, which, if you'll all remember, Baron Von Gosu called his shot, saying that they had received almost no pre-orders on the system and that would be a financial nightmare based on what he had been seeing and hearing in his company. Sure, we we know all about the remakes of classic N64 games like The Legend of Zelda, Star Fox 64, as well as games like Kid Icarus and Mario... Okay, I remember Kid Icarus. And Mario Kart, they're well in development, but Nintendo has always relied on the steady stream of unique and exclusive software, and the 3DS still has much more to the show. That's why E3 will likely be a huge show for the portable device, as we expect to see what we'll be playing on the go for the rest of the year. 
with rumors indicating that Sony may reveal the price, uh, the price and launch lineup for its portable PlayStation, the NGP. The pressure is on Nintendo to show us exactly how it will maintain, continue to remain the dominant handheld market leader. Super Mario 3DS is promised to be a mix between Super Mario 64 and Galaxy, and will likely be a full display at E3. You liked Galaxy, didn't you? I mean, Super Mario 64 is my favorite Mario game of all time, but I mean, I don't mind the Galaxy games 1 and 2. They're both very good titles. The only thing is, you know, it's as far as Mario games go, they play very differently, the Galaxy titles, because they're just so segmented. Like, to earn, you know, a star, basically, which is pretty much the equivalent of the 64 version of collecting, like, 120 stars per game. Right. It's not, like, so open that you can, like, you know, long jump here, long jump here, you know, cut, like, sort of, you know, cut the world up and get the star in a relatively quick amount of time, like, sort of make a speed run out of each little level. Mario Galaxy sort of prevents that because, you know, you spend time basically in order to get each star, you end up having to deal with, you know, the enemies or whatever, get the key or, you know, all that kind of crap on this little planet. So then you can jump into a star, warp over to the next planet, to next planet. I mean, it's almost like every star, it seems, you're warping two or three times, and that's sort of time-consuming and sort of, like I said, sort of segments the gameplay in a very different way. They're like, it's almost like getting a star involves beating four or five mini, tiny, tiny, you know, one or two-minute worlds in between just to get each one. It's so like forced linear progression. Pretty much, yeah, exactly. So it's a very different kind of Mario, but still fun. Not for the Sony. The PlayStation Network is recently out of commission for more than three weeks, leaving PS3 gamers with nothing but offline play and a fancy Blu-ray player. PSN has come back in a limited fashion since. Very limited. But with the PlayStation Store still down for the count, Sony has to play E3 carefully. I... They got nothing going for them, as far as I'm concerned. I don't give a shit about their their portable. Now, have you read anything about this thing? The NGP? Yes. Yeah, it's... I mean... I mean, I have a Game Boy and a PSP, and if I, I you know, too, yeah. if I'm going to go somewhere, like whatever, you know, long travel where I'm going to be on a flight and stuff, I'll take my Game Boy, leave my PSP at home. I mean... Even though you can watch movies on the PSP. I can watch movies on my iPhone, iPhone or my right. iPod. That's the I difference. Mean, yeah, and so I don't I mean, have an iPhone, so I would take the PSP. But I mean, I don't know. The PSP doesn't... I never really got... The PSP strikes this weird balance between handheld and full-blown, like, you know, console. retail game. Yeah, yes. console. Exactly. I mean, like, because it's... The games that are on the Game Boy that I have and that I play seemed like they were designed with handheld in mind. Almost everything that I seem like, you know, let's see on the PSP and it's like, oh, that should be cool. You know, they've got some Splinter Cell games and Siphon Filter and stuff like that. But it seems like every time they try those kind of games, it's such a watered down, dumbed down version sure, of what you're getting. Sure, because they can't pack everything in there, right. Well, right. You can't pack everything in there. And but also it just it fits this weird space where like, you know, I mean, if I'm going to take my Game Boy, I'm going to take, you know, Tetris, Mario, you know, games like that where, you know, you can pick them up, play them for, you know, whatever, short stints of time and, you know, get something done and move on to the next level and what have you. But when you're trying to do, like, you know, campaign style, you know, like, I mean, bottom line, the kind of games that they make on the PSP, like those franchises of Siphon Filter and Splinter Cell, they just, they don't work in a handheld fashion, in my opinion. It just... It's too small screen, too jammed in there. Yeah. I mean, like, I I remember I played, like, I think it was a Medal of Honor title on the PSP once, and 
the four main buttons, you know, your triangle, X, O, and square were like movement. Okay. It was almost like they were trying to, they were really trying to like force, you know, cause obviously the PSP and I, I don't know if the NGP is going to come with dual. I uh, think it is the dual uh, joystick sticks. I think I, it does. I, see that there's something similar that could potentially make it, you know, a lot more. The PSP worthwhile. does have it. It does have that little, that, you know, knob thing that you can use as a analog stick. Right. But there's only one of them and right, developers yeah. don't tend to use it. You know what I mean? Like I said, that Medal of Honor game had, I think the left, you know, actual like four D pad on the left there was for, you know, like physically moving your character. And then they used like triangle X, O and square to be like the look, you know, axes okay. of like what would be a right analog stick. And I mean, that was one of the more like awkward experiences trying to play a game of like, you know, okay, so I've got a D pad here and I've got four buttons here. And you know, it's like, you just, you need a second joystick for those kind of games. Yeah. And those seem to be the kind of games that they put out for the PSP are, you know, they want to take, you know, resistance or uncharted and, you know, squeeze them into the PSP. And, you know, that would work if we had a PS, you know, regular PlayStation sticks to work, regular PlayStation controller, that would be fine. But that's what they go on. It say as far as this goes, I, I'll kind of peruse through this, but it says perhaps the most the exception, uh, with the exception of the expected reveal of Nintendo's new console anticipation is greatest at this year's E3 for the NGP. Yes, we've already seen the device in some of its games, but E3 is when Sony will get the opportunity to really blow everyone away, or not, with details about its upcoming handheld, as well as a plethora of information about the games are in store. Chances are we'll finally get the details in the NGP's price and release date. Chances are very strong that a slew of first-party and third-party games alike will be revealed uh, an, on NGP. Sony's advantage is that the situation was watching the Nintendo 3DS flounder with an incredibly weak launch library, and subsequent releases haven't made the 3DS outlook any more positive. With that in mind, Sony has an advantage, and it should more li- li- and it should and likely will reveal a torrent of quality games that PlayStation gamers can look forward to. While, and as we mentioned earlier, since the NGP is entirely reliant on the PlayStation Network, it's also integral that Sony works to strengthen the outlook in the PSN. Look, bad and right, and that's what I was kind of getting to. I was, I was waiting to get to this. That's the death knell of the NGP. It could be the greatest thing since the coming of Christ, and it's not going to make a difference. Because, Are they not having physical media again? Right, it's going to be like in the cloud. Oh, yeah. Or you that... download it directly from the PSN store. People aren't going to trust it. You're right. watch. On April 19th, that might have worked. Yes. But... After the 20th? Right. No. Beyond the year of the PlayStation. The other thing about the NGP is it supposedly has two screens, I guess. Like, yes. you know, you've it's got the, like one... the DS does. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, but the second screen is actually on the back of the unit, and you're supposed to be able to interact with that, like, you know, like touch the back screen to initiate actions on the front forward facing screen. Let's pull it up here. So the NGP. Just want to pull a picture up and see if it, uh, yeah, that's it right there. Yeah. But there's, so like do, I said, there's a whole nother monitor. Right. It's a touch screen. But it looks the like back. there's two, there are two analog sticks from the left one on the right. Yeah. Which, I mean, that alone could make a big difference. Could, yeah, potentially make a very big difference. I mean, I'm definitely not going to buy an NGP day one, but you know, if it's got the two analog sticks and if I hear good things, I might give it a shot. So, Rumors have recently surfaced that Sony is working on a successor to the PlayStation 3. That's a no-brainer. No shit. Though we won't see that console for at least a couple more years. But Sony has to maintain the momentum in 2012 
and with PS3 releases to complement the wave of NGP games that are no doubt on the horizon. Wonder what they have for Xbox. Xbox 360. Lots of Kinect. Now that Microsoft has demonstrated that Kinect works and there's a pretty large market for it, it's time for them to show us some games. Recent trademark filings from Microsoft and its various studios indicate that Kinect is going to have a major presence at the show. Last month, word leaked that Crisis 2 developer Crytex, Xbox 360's exclusive title name, Codename Kingdoms, teased at last year's E3 is actually a Kinect-driven melee combat uh, game using CryEngine 3, the graphics technology behind Crisis 2's breathtaking visuals. Let's see, other major Kinect titles should reappear as well. It's been months since we've heard anything about the Gaggle Connect titles announced at TGS last year. Uh, Project Draco, Codename D, the Steel Battalion, Heavy Armor, Fire Pro Wrestling, Haunt, and Rise of Nightmares. We hope to see more from the Connect titles as well. Gears of War. Epic and Microsoft have already sold us on Gears of War 3's multiplayer modes. Last year they showed off, uh, showed off Beast Mode and a new and improved version of Horde. And last month millions of players flooded the the Gears of War 3 multiplayer's beta on Xbox Live, which you played as well, did you not? The Gears of War 3 beta? No, I didn't participate okay. in the beta. Halo. Unless, of course, Microsoft officially unveils the heavily rumored 10th anniversary make of, remake of Halo, Combat Evolved. For those of you not in the know, the original Xbox and the first Halo title came out 10 years ago this November. As Halo has always been Microsoft's biggest weapon in the console space, it makes sense that they would pull out all the stops to celebrate it. The rumors have put Time Shift and, and Inversion developer Saber Interactive behind the wheel rather than Microsoft's Halo Steward 343 Industries, using the Halo Reach tech to deliver a modernized version of the classic. It makes so much sense for Microsoft to release a Halo CE remake. In fact, that there's a cynical part of us that wonders if it's too good to be true. Here's hoping it comes out. Modern Warfare 3. Uh, the final tradition of the last several E3s worth of Microsoft press conferences has been an exclusive, extended demonstration of the newest Call of Duty game, and this year shouldn't be any different. Uh, Modern Warfare 3 should make a huge splash at Microsoft's press conference this year. And PC gaming. Battlefield 3. Looks hot, and we fully expect to get our hands on the coveted multiplayer. It may be releasing for 360, but so far EA has been showing it repeatedly on PC. Stunningly beautiful, this modern take on the Battlefield franchise looks to be the first with a real single-shooter storyline, taking us through the war-torn Middle East. Let's see what else we got. Uh, Bethesda, Bethesda, Bethesda. Try saying that five times fast. It's Bethesda. Bethesda. Fine. <laughs> Bethesda, Bethesda, Bethesda. Fuck you. While plenty of publishers are releasing their games on PC as well as consoles, few have Bethesda's lineup. Rage has been enticing us since last year uh, when we were awarded it Three, I'm sorry, our E3 Game of the Show Award, Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim, and the follow-up to Elder Scrolls IV, Oblivion. is also looking amazing. Uh, and goes on to say a bunch of crap I don't care about. Old Republic, new release date. Wow, that's the graphics. That's pretty uh, mediocre. NC Soft will be curiously absent from the MMO space, but expect to hear plenty about Star Wars The Old Republic. This may be games uh, we've been hearing about for quite some time, but one thing we're hopeful for is a release date announced for The Old Republic. We can't say for sure, but we wouldn't be at all surprised if it ends up with a spring 2012 release. And then there's a bunch of indie stuff. The Witcher 2 is mentioned. Uh, you know, I don't care about the indie stuff. You, who does not like... Um, actually, 
by your own admission, detests the MMO type of market, the type of setup. When the Old Republic is released on the Old Republic Online, do you plan on giving it even a look, giving it you know any kind of consideration, anything at all? Uh, my brother's pretty much more or less saying he's probably going to give it a look, try, so he might purchase it and play it. And I mean, if that happens, I'll you know I'm sure I'll be over his house checking it out. But I mean, I if it came out tomorrow, I wouldn't be in line at Best Buy or anything like that for it. Really, you the big Star Wars mark that you are. I thought you'd love to play some kind of like Jedi thing. Like Obi-Wan Legal Tender. <laughs> Some shit like that. No? Okay. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. It's, it's again, you know, the I think that the reservations I have about MMOs exceed... Your excitement for a Star Wars title. I yes. See. It's not like there's been a lack of Star Wars titles. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a lack like of any it's, good Star Wars titles. That's not true. Okay. There's been good Star Wars titles. Like what? Shadows of the okay. Empire for 64. Okay, how long ago was that? <laughs> for 64? How long ago was that? It was, was about that? 96. But 96, there was... there's no... There, there, there's no... There have uh, been uh, other good no Star Wars games. games. 1996. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I, that was probably my personal favorite. I know, again, I'm not into RPGs, so the I didn't play these. The was okay. But Kodar 1 and 2 were, you know, very well received by those of you who do play RPGs. Was it not? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Empire at War, fail. Rebellion, horrible. Rebel Assault, you couldn't even fly the damn ship. All I got to move was the cursor. Force Unleashed, two was... Average. One was Average. really good. Two was easily probably the biggest disappointment for See, me in recent gaming because, wow, that game was short and sucked, but... TIE Fighter, okay, I'll give you TIE Fighter. Dark Force is garbage. Jedi Knights on PC. Yeah. Knights of the Old Republic. All right. Everybody liked it. I, I, to this day, I don't know why. Rogue Squadron Did was not any good. It? Yes. I, 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 again, I don't see the appeal. Okay, I get it. It's like every other game like it. So, so far, we've now been able to admittedly label at least half of them failures. Another quarter, eh. So why and a quarter are you, good. So why are you shocked that I'm not all about getting it day one? Because you're a huge Star Wars mark, and I figure if anybody would try it out, it would be you. It's something that, that is adverse to the MMO type of model. Force Unleashed 1 was good, 2 was terrible. Pod Racer, garbage. Sit, there you go. Star, Force Commander is gunning for the worst Star Wars game title with Rebellion, guaranteed. Dark Forces. Shut, someone shut up, Master Queef. He's the show host of uh, Podcraft. I don't care. We still have to do forbidden knowledge here. We still got to get to the Chinese gold farmers. That's funny. I can't wait to see what this one's about. Uh, let's do forbidden knowledge and get out of the way. And then we will uh, wrap it up here with the Chinese. Sound good? Sure. And now it's time to learn something that you shouldn't. It's time for Highlander's Forbidden Knowledge. Have fun. Forbidden Knowledge. How to escape from an alligator. (laughs) 
1967, alligators were placed on the endangered species list. A few decades later, alligators can be found all over the southeastern United States from Texas to North Carolina to Florida. Although alligators attacking humans aren't as common as you might think, alligators are actually pretty lazy and aren't interested in running after their dinner. It does happen enough to warrant being aware of them and knowing what to do in case of an emergency. If you think an alligator is approaching you, run. Contrary to popular belief, it doesn't matter if you run in a zigzag or straight line. You should be able to easily outrun an alligator. If it seems to be gaining on you, don't panic. Alligators only have a little endurance, but they also don't really care to pursue their prey. If an alligator misses its first opportunity to grab its victim, it typically moves on to something else. If you're caught unaware at the edge of the water... In the or in the water, which is more like uh, the more likely scenario, you have less chance to evade the alligator. In the water, the alligator has home field advantage. It's so it's got you right where it wants you. A water attack is a worst case scenario. If you feel the alligator's jaw clamp down on you, resist. Don't waste any time trying to pry its jaw open, which is nearly impossible. Instead, scream, splash, and generally create as much confusion as the alligator as possible. As soon as you can get a clear shot, drive your thumb or finger directly into its eye. It's the most sensitive area on the alligator's body, and the combination of pain and surprise should be enough to cause the alligator to release you. Occasionally, a bad-tempered alligator may not give up the fight. As a last-ditch effort, you may want to play dead. The alligator releases dead prey as it prepares to maneuver its way back into its throat. This can provide you the opportunity to escape. It's a risky plan, however, and if the alligator has you in the water, you should do everything possible to prevent it from going into a death roll, which is the maneuver alligators use to kill their prey by rolling over and over in the water until its prey is dead, usually by drowning, but occasionally from loss of blood. Now you have fulfilled your duties. Don't you feel great now that you know how to escape from an alligator? You have imparted vital knowledge upon people listening to this show that may ordinarily not have known that. I might have just saved a life. Poor foreigners who come to the United States, especially to Florida, to visit, wanting to know, oh, this looks cute, I'll pet it, only to realize that it is an alligator and that they are at death's door. <laughs> but not because of you, legal tender. You have given them all the skills they need, all the knowledge they require to combat and run away from the alligator. You're welcome. There you go. None left a pet an alligator, but I think everybody in uh, Australia probably much has a pet alligator or a kangaroo. I'm not sure which, or both. None left, do you have any kangaroos in your neighborhood? I'm curious. I'm usually curious. This requires none left to talk, but nope, he says no. Actually, I kind of realized that I had the uh, sound all the way down because it was so freaking loud when uh, Mechawk was in here earlier. There we go. Now we have sound again. What about a koala bear? You have any koala bears in your neighborhood? You're a lying asshole. I know you've got either that or kangaroos. You're in Australia. Don't lie to me. He plays overrun with them. He probably lives in a city. There is no city. Even uh, There is no city. It's all <laughs> like the bush. you got aborigines and, and friggin' kangaroos everywhere. That's not what it looked like during the Olympics that one year. The Olympics. Like anybody care about the Olympics. Staged. The moon landing. <laughs> they just CG'd all those buildings. <laughs> yes, and... he did. <laughs> Crying, we got buildings. Look. 
Why are they all like grainy and look like pixels? <laughs> Shut up! Zarek says he has an emu. I don't know what that is. You don't know what an emu is? Is it like a llama? It's a big bird. Oh. They were in a... The no, I don't. Emu was in, I think, that first Abe's Oddworld game on, like, PlayStation. Yeah, you know how long it's been since I played Abe's Oddworld? I didn't even care for it It was it a much. great game. I'm pretty sure that Dunleth has kangaroos. That doesn't stop fat American tourists from visiting us each year. We, lo- we like to see kangaroos. We want to see where they come from. I always see the ones in the zoo, and they're lazy. I know they can punch. I want to see a, you know, a boxing match. I have about 7,000 kangaroos around my house during summer. See? I, I knew that was the case. Is that person also an Australian? I'm hoping. <laughs> if not, there's an interesting uh, story there, I think. You won't have to go far for dinner. Just open up your porch, blast one away, <laughs> grab his carcass, toss it to the wife. Here you go, dinner. <laughs> an emu is not an emu, by the way. It looks like an ostrich. Okay. People eat kangaroos, don't they? Yeah. An emu is like an ugly, pissed-off ostrich. Yes, we do eat kangaroos and emus. It's good eating. I have a kangaroo leather hat. I've got a kangaroo uh, kangaroo glove. Uh, no lie. I have a uh, Nakona uh, buckaroo. It's made of kangaroo leather. Nice. It costs a small fortune, though. We, have, we raise them domestically in Texas, apparently, or Nakona does. Actually, roux is quite nice. See, everybody likes kangaroo, and it's a plentiful meat. It's out. It's really easy to get to. Communist hippies eat kangaroos. Okay. All right. Well, it's nine o'clock. We need to get out of here. Before we do, I do want to cover this story. Uh, where the hell is it? Chinese prisoners. Geek.com, although everybody and their mother has this. Chinese prisoner hard labor includes MMO gold farming. So you've already read this. Uh, uh, I, I've read this story on another site, so it might not be the exact same story. But no, visit kidding. any prison, and the residents will be doing some form of work to help pass the time and pay off their debt to society. But for the most part, that work involves menial tasks that are both legal and come under the heading of jobs no one else really wants to do. In China, that includes hard labor in the form of mining, making parts for cars, or carving utensils out of wood for every day for hours every day. But there's also another much more modern way the prisoners are being used to earn money, and it's not exactly legal. Lou Dolly, a Lee fifth, Dolly. Lee Dolly, a fifty-four-year-old farmer, former prison guard, and <laughs> former <laughs> prison guard, <laughs> a former inmate of. A Chinese prison labor camp has spoken of how he was forced to play online games. No, 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 no. That's not fair. You're not getting what? out of there. I'm going to try to read that. <laughs> the that name shit. of that You're Chinese not gloss prison. Over and say, Chinese prison. That's what it you would have done. Name, it gives a name and a province. Say it. Of a Jixi Heilongjiang province. <laughs> What, do you actually know how to correctly pronounce that? I think it's Jixi Helion Gang Jang. Okay, Helion then. Gang, I, Helion Jang. I don't know. Go ahead. 
has spoken of how he was forced to play online games. The staff running the prison would put the prisoners to work gold farming in a number of different MMOs, which would be in turn converted into real-world cash. Each prisoner would be given a quota they had to achieve every day in the game, and they were assigned. Not meeting the quota would mean physical harm with plastic pipes. So you can imagine they got good at farming very quickly. While Dolly and his fellow inmates were struggling to stay awake and keeping focused in the game, the prison guards were earning as much as $900 per day trading through the virtual goods Holy for money. Shit. Although the game developers and publishers stopped try to stop gold farming from happening by regularly banning accounts for the most part it's difficult to stop when it's a real person playing the game <laughs> it also seems to be growing in popularity and even though dolly was released in 2004 he still believes the practice goes on to this day making money for some well-off chinese prison guards see if this shit was happening in the united states and we found out that there was a prisoner that was trying to farm from gold and he's like rolling on the gear against it. I could just see him like, come on, guys, I need this. They're going to beat me. <laughs> Guaranteed, we'd be camping this guy. We would gank his ass and camp him, knowing that not only we killed his character, but he should get his ass raped by the prison guards because he didn't make his quota for gold in World of Warcraft. The, uh, the article that I had initially read earlier in the week basically said that, you know, they earn more money gold farming and MMOs yeah. than they do get off of the prisoners yes. if they make them do, like, hard manual labor. Sure. Which I find that just awesome. <laughs> that is hilarious. Wow. Talk about hard labor, too. I mean, you think of, oh, I, I drew World of Warcraft duty. How bad is that? I get to play a game and chat with people, you know, for hours on end. Then it's anything about, you know, they're you know, probably not given the pipes. chat aspect of the game, I would, I would imagine. Not. Otherwise, they'd be like, please help me. <laughs> Get me out of here. If I don't have 100 gold, some guy's going to beat my ass to the pipe. <laughs> oh, China. I laugh now, but they'll be our overlords soon enough. <laughs> we'll all be playing WoW, not because we want to, but because we have to. To pay off our real debt, uh, debt. to China. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what Obama has to do. Can't we just pay off in World of Warcraft gold? What do we owe you, like $4 trillion? I want everybody in the United States to buy a Warcraft account. If we play for three months and give the Chinese all of our gold, we can pay off our debt. That's the plank I'm running on in the 2012 elections. I like that. Emperor for president. I'm launching the campaign right now. Paying our debt through MMO gold. Who's with me? It can't be that hard. There should be a tax on MMO gold. Everybody needs to pay their fair share. <laughs> People in the Alliance need to pay more because they've got more than we do. They have a higher tax rate. All right. I think that uh, I guess it's the end of the show. And that is not the postgame music. What the hell? Let's try this again. There we go. You really think this sounds like uh, Mario Kart? Every time I hear it, I, I think Mario Kart, even though you've told me repeatedly that that is not Mario Kart. Yeah, it's Turtles in Time. It okay. Freaks of Mario Kart to me for some reason. It's an NES title. They all sound the same. All right. So, Little Tender, what we learned today? How to not get... Well, how to escape from an alligator once it has already bitten into you. I learned that the Chinese prison system is putting their guys to good use by farming gold. Yes, which is a brilliant, brilliant <laughs> move. 
What else did we learn today? What else did we learn today? That, uh... I don't know. What else did we learn? Wow, I didn't learn anything good. <laughs> My, uh, retention level wasn't very <laughs> high, I guess. Uh, I learned Varya will be returning next week as is Highlander, so it looks like we may have four people in the studio, and won't that be fun? Maybe we should do the roundtable next week. I've been meaning to do one for a while now, and I want to get Baron in here, too. <clears throat> Maybe we should do a roundtable, uh... I'll have to think of some, uh... Some cool questions, and, uh, like best NES title, what was your favorite NES title, what was your favorite PlayStation title, stuff like that. I'll think of something during the week. Maybe we'll do a roundtable with all four of us here. Uh, what else we learned today? We did all these articles, all this shit, we didn't learn a thing. I was going to say, you're looking at me again? <laughs> well, I learned that uh, apparently Bayou Billy is one of the harder NES, NES games to play, although I don't remember it being that difficult. Yeah, I don't remember that either. I might have to boot that one up when I get home and see how far I can get before game over. Playing it old see how, style yeah. without saving or anything. I gotta say, I'm kind of tempted to do it myself. Although, how would that work? Because when you run the emulator, gun or games that required the light gun right. for parts, what, aren't you kind of screwed? I don't know what you'd do with that. I'm pretty sure you're effed when it comes to that. Like if you That's em- a good point. Like yeah, if you, yeah, if you yeah. emulate Duck Hunt, because I know Bayou Billy was like, you would use controller, and then they would tell you, like, hey... You have to go in this yeah. part and start shooting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So, I don't know. I learned that Legal Tender hates Tron, Godzilla, and Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to come with my Tronathon? You'll get your calm. <laughs> the free food or something else. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, that will be Audio Audible Books and Type Fragment Children's Servers. Planet Pilgard uses Type Fragment Children's Servers. You should, too. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be doing this. I want to thank IRC, or I'm sorry, our uh, IRC bitch and show contributor, none left, from down under. Appreciate it. I want to thank all of the people who have joined the 1G, uh, well, I guess we're calling it Planet Pilgard, but essentially it's most of the listeners of the Emperor's Court. Joining us in World of Warcraft now in a PvP venture to slaughter the innocents and those not so innocent on the Alliance. If you are interested in joining, we are on U.S. server Coilfang. Check out uh, vtwproductions.com as well as the clan1g.net forums. We're not actually asking anybody to move their characters over there just yet. Just create a brand new one. We are on the Horde side. Naturally, we're not a bunch of fairies and fags. We're not going to play on the Alliance. Uh, what else am I forgetting here? The Marathon Show was not obviously today. It is on indefinite suspension, pending everybody's schedule. Let's see. The Phoenix Comic Con uh, coverage, I believe, continues through tomorrow. So check it out. It should be on the front page, vtdproductions.com. Join us on Facebook, Emperor's Court, and on Twitter, also Emperor's Court. Use both frequently. I'm trying to think. Moment of truth. What's that? Use oh, yeah. frequently? No. I remember back in the day when I was listening. We never to, used it. Yeah, it was just <laughs> never used it. No, we use it uh, quite frequently because we talk about uh, a bunch of stuff. Or I'll, you know, if there's something going on or I see something funny, I'll, I'll Twitter about it. So follow me; it's a good idea. We got a couple hundred listeners followers. So, all right, moment of truth, legal tender. What did you think overall? Would you do this again? Did you have fun? Yeah, it was worth doing. Well, that's good. <laughs> was it what everything you expected? Pretty much. Pretty yeah. Okay. No surprises. Yeah. The fans love you. No doubt they want you back. Clearly. And your article reading prowess. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, oh, I just want to thank Nowise for putting up our podcast for us. When I got him edited up, he puts them up for us. So I think that uh, pretty much does it. Do you have a catchphrase, Legal Thunder? 
not that I'm aware of. Well, you kind of need one, so think of one real quick. Everyone's got Real quick. Yes. Fryar's got his. Islander has his. Baron's got Can his. Can I get back to you on that? No. No, you're on the air. You have to have one. Like, make it rain or something like that. Legal tender. I don't know. Nothing. Come on. Yeah, take us something. You know, no one to fold them. No one to run. Something. You, the prolific gambler that you are. Also, hit Legal Tender up on Xbox Live. That's his Xbox Live number, uh, name. He wants to be your friend. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> I hate you people. <laughs> Maybe that can be my catchphrase. Don't send me a friend request on Xbox Live. Bad manners are better than no manners at all. So long, everybody. listening anyway.